He's Cap. He's Lee. And we're here to save the movies. Episode 27. Shoot him up. Yeah, um, the, uh, which is, when was this made? 2007. I was going to say 90 sometime. Like, so, that's not 10 right years ago. It's a, yeah, <laughs> a while ago now, I yeah, guess. it is. Um, so, uh, this is your suggestion? I mean, I liked it. I mean, it's been, actually, I haven't seen it since it came out, so. Yeah, I really enjoy this movie. Uh, it's, it's a very gratuitous gun, gun battle kind of movie. Yeah, it's sort of a homage to action movies in general, and, uh, Looney Tunes. Yeah. I still, I still say that, which is pretty obvious. You're not wrong. Of course not. <laughs> God damn it. I, I like this movie. I think, I think it's, it's you pretty just, good. You just go directly to the cartoons every time. <laughs> you know, it's all about cartoons, buddy. That's what made me the great writer I am today. <laughs> it's been a while since I saw it, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's definitely not a movie that's taking itself too seriously. No. <laughs> and uh, like you're saying, it's an homage to the just bullet fest action flicks, like some of the Schwarzenegger movies. Yeah, it's that sort kind of, of uh, that kind of action flick. Yeah, it's sort of the next level, according to because Looney Tunes. The reason I kind of equate it with Looney Tunes is not only because it's intentional, but you know, a big <laughs> part of the Looney Tunes uh, appeal was how creative they were. With their gags and their ideas, you know, you watch some, watch some like cartoon from the twenties. It's just people walking around going like, they dance, and then nothing like nothing really interesting happens. And then along came like the Steamboat next... Mickey driving the old right down the river. Right. The, oh, oh, oh me, oh my! It's like okay, who cares? You know. But once they got past the idea that they can make things move, they started doing some other stuff, and uh, of course. Uh, Looney Tunes uh, from Warner Brothers was was uh, pretty. Although I mean, all the great animators of those era. Jeff Jones was uh, in charge of uh, Warner Brothers Looney Tunes, um, and and uh, one of the things that was made the Looney Tunes so interesting was how strong their characters were. Um, like they had great gags, but like all the characters over time, have really. I mean, you can know like Sylvester and Tweety and Yosemite Sam. Each of them is distinct, and and, and especially the way they were animated at this life. Then there was uh, Tex Avery, who was working, I think, at MGM. And his was always, like, just weird gags that were really over the top. Uh, this is kind of combining both of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's something to that. Because the gags in Looney Tunes, um, they, they're recognizable, right? I mean, they kind of stick in your head. Yeah. Because, like you're saying, they're very original. Um, and that's definitely what I remember about this movie. Is a lot of the uh, shooting scenes are just, they're, they're very creative. Right. So um, it, it's the kind of thing you're not likely to forget. Right. And whereas with John Wick, because we're going to be talking about that a lot, uh, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to, to like recreate one of the scenes out of John Wick. You know, it's interesting, because, yes, this is what we're going to we're gonna be talking about this, because um, I think, when we, you know, not just that we talked about, like, like, John Wick is well-directed, and I really like John Wick, but for the most part, it's just, because it's kind of sticking with realism, not not really realistic, but trying to be realistic. It's like I shoot you, you get, we shoot. They don't really do a lot of uh, gags, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and I mean that like in the classic comedy sense or whatever. 
like Three Stooges and <laughs> the Marx <laughs> Brothers. I mean, they, those were gags. They had, right, they, which is a weird thing to tie to. But it's not. Yeah. Movie, but yeah. at the same time. And it's like, I mean, Jackie Chan had gags. I mean, that I mean, oh, like, sure. like what makes his movie so memorable. You know, that was that scene where he almost got hit by that car or that scene where he fights three guys, but he's like, it's creative. His underwear or it's very something. creative. Right. Jackie Chan's more like Buster Keaton yes. than, um, like, uh, a Bruce Lee. Yeah. And I think that's interesting because I'm not saying, I mean, cause I, I like John Wick. Um, I have a problem with John Wick. I enjoy him, but it is kind of interesting to be like, what makes shoot him up? Like, I have to admit, like, shoot him up. I remembered a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And I, you know, because it's memorable. It's unique. The thing I like about John Wick, uh, I think mainly is the choreography and the like the direction on the action yeah. scenes uh, because that's very tight. Yeah, um, I could I could watch that over and over again. But. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, I don't I mean, I didn't care very much the second one, but that's a whole other issue. But uh, yeah, I think that's it. And I and I we talked. I mean, we're going to compare this because I think this really is a straight comparison to John Wick. This is this is proto John Wick. Yeah. I mean, uh, share some DNA with it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, and John Wick came along and made it, you know, I think it, I don't want to say it's improved, because I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do think John Wick has the advantage of certain choices that were made to make it more romanticized, might be the right word. I feel like we're going to go down this road where we find, like, John Wick was kind of made more acceptable for hipster douchebags. <laughs> and I hate to say that, because I enjoy the movie. But hey, hipsters can like good stuff. Sure. But there's still things that they find appealing. Yeah. There's uh, things that happened in John Wick that have made it palatable for a little wider audience. I yeah. Think. Um, whereas Shoot 'em Up is is so dedicated to the absurdity of, of the gun movie. And, and, and very grimy. I mean, it's a yeah. very grimy movie. It's a dirty movie, and yeah. it's pretty absurd. Right. It's, 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 <laughs> Which means you're. It, you decrease the amount of things that you maybe are drawing people in with. Right. Because it's tricky. I mean, because in a weird way, like watching this one, I even thought, well, the violence in um, John Wick is even kind of sanitized <laughs> in a weird way yeah. compared to this, which is not to say that this John Wick is sanitized, but I mean, there's some, this is the more pleasant stuff in this movie. <laughs> the things you don't see in John Wick are the aftermath right. of any of this. Um, well, and even like the bad guys in the John Wick movies, like they tend to be uh, bad, but they're still kind of classy. Right. Like Paul Giamatti is playing, he's just a scumbag. He's just this, he's like, a creep. He's a creep. Like he's disgusting. And there's plenty of scenes. I mean, the scene where he's bottling that dead that girl. Yeah. And and he's like, I mean, this weird like look of oh my god that. It's not as gruesome as it, as it might sound when you describe it, but it's still pretty uncomfortable. Sure. Yeah. It plays into his character. Right. They use Paul Giamatti to great effect. Right. And also, <laughs> like, in John Wick, everything's super nice. Like, they go to this nice hotel. It feels so He lives in this nice house. <laughs> you know, there's no, like, all the criminals look like they're almost always well-kept. They're all wearing suits. All wearing suits. <laughs> this one is, like, literally every location in this movie, aside from maybe the last one, is grimy and gross, and certainly not. Um, Even the way Smith gets tortured is yes, is really visceral yes. compared to a John Wick. Right, and, and and again, Clive Owen. I mean, certainly you could put Clive Owen in a suit and he looked, you know, dashing, but he's not in a suit in this. He's sure. unshaven. Right. He's got like he, he he's got like a hoodie on. 
He's he's got like the fingerless gloves. That's how you can tell he's down and out. Fingerless gloves. He's a handsome bum. Right. But he's still a bum. Well, he's a bum by uh, movie standards. Right. He's a bum who's a protagonist of your story, so of course he's also going to be a good-looking guy. Fair enough. Same way, you know, Maria Bellucci is like the prostitute, so of course she's, <laughs> she's incredibly gorgeous. Because as all prostitutes as are. As all prostitutes are. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, they, they're not going to go quite that far. Oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not complaining. <laughs> Because this, go- I mean, I would think it's interesting though, because this goes back to what we talked about. How would we feel about this movie? Even this movie, like, if again, let's replace Clive Owen with, unfortunately, I'm sorry, Mr. Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Why do you hate him so? <laughs> I don't, but he's the example because we're so accustomed to certain things. What if, what if Clive Owen was the Paul Giamatti role and Steve Buscemi was the Clive Owen role? How would we feel about it? It's like, now... Conflicted, probably. <laughs> it's a little different. It's really interesting and confusing because there's this, uh, you know, it's like that they talk about comic books with the art with like the Hawkeye project where you, you draw a female character in a pose, but you draw, you draw Hawkeye in that pose and see how absurd it looks. I mm. feel like if I could just go into alternate realities, that's all I need. I just need some kind of alternate reality machine. I would love to see how people responded if you were like, okay, but in this universe, Steve Buscemi is, is John Wick. Here's the thing that'd be interesting. But if that was true, they'd probably be so used to Steve Buscemi being that part that like if Keanu Reeves played it, they'd be like, well, I don't really know how I feel about this anymore. <laughs> it's all conditioning. But it really makes yeah, it's part of the culture. That. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's there's reasons that we see attractive people as uh, basically having been more good. Right. Well, it's, it's why I like other um, people. It's like uh, Machete, but, uh, played by uh, Danny Trejo. Like I love Danny Trejo. Uh, but I, I think one of the things that makes Machete really interesting is he's the romantic heroic lead and he is so not that type. Yeah. It's intentional. It's an intentional play on that. And it's also because Robert Rudis wanted to show like, you know, a Mexican hero. And so there's a guy that's a great role for that because he's sort of that stereotype taken to extreme. But it's really interesting because Danny Trejo kind of gets away with it because we're used to him. We know him and we kind of like him. But like, what if we didn't? What if they just made that movie and we're supposed to identify with this tattooed, dark-skinned, crazy man who chops... He's famous for his ability to chop people's heads off. And now, he's clearly the hero in the story. You know, if you watch the story, he's clearly the hero. And he should oh, be. Yes. I mean, he's fighting clearly bad people. Right. But, but even then, like, in that movie, I'm always amazed by how I see certain people respond negatively to it. Not because they didn't like action movies, but because they're kind of like, oh, you know, I just wish it wasn't so, uh, you know, against white people. And I thought... And I always think it's really interesting where it's like, there was literally how many movies about like one white cop killing off the entire black drug lord gang or the entire Mexican drug lord gang, and it's like, but as soon as you may have skipped topics here, <laughs> no, but I'm just talking about in general. It's still betrayal. It's still betrayal, and how we do it. Oh, like, yeah. like, like, well, it's all built on the culture, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think you could make a movie where somebody, somebody that you don't expect or that doesn't look like it, could be the protagonist, because there's enough cues they can throw into the movie. There's like the, put the music in the right place, you do the right camera shots, then you could get the audience on board, but it's more work. <laughs> and it's, it's, it doesn't always work. It's still right. tricky. I mean, it's it's a risk. Right. Definitely. Like I, I argue, like again, I'll use the the like the passengers movie, passengers where the exact same movie, but you start with Steve Buscemi. Would we be sympathetic? It's a real interesting dilemma. 
Yeah, it would have been easy to make Passengers as The Shining right. <laughs> Steve Buscemi. Right. Because that's definitely what we expect there. Right. And even there's a couple of times where they tried to play with it. They don't always succeed, but like there was the Doom movie that had uh, loosely, very loosely based on a video game. But in that, The Rock got top billing. Yeah. But he turns out to be the bad guy. And it's interesting because we're so used to that movie didn't do very well. Now, I don't know if it's because it wasn't very good or because The Rock was the, was the villain and people didn't like that <laughs> And that was really interesting because it, it plays with that twist because it, it, he's the he's in every way the heroic archetype, the badass hero. Then about halfway through the movie, you start realizing he's, he's losing it. He's he's the bad guy, and the character you thought was sort of the supporting character is actually the hero. And I thought, you know, that's kind of an interesting twist. I'm not sure this movie needed it. <laughs> yeah, that movie had some problems. I know, um, so you can't tell if that's why. But, but I mean, the person who turned out to be the protagonist, it's a good-looking white guy. <laughs> So, <laughs> I feel like the six of one, half a dozen of the other. Right, it's maybe. tricky. It's tricky because I mean, I don't, I don't want to. It's not always about race. It's not. I mean, it's about it's about looks and about character yeah, types and actor right. types. You know, some actors. I mean, like they talk about like Chris Pratt. I mean, he's built his career at this stage on being a charming, good-looking guy who's like pulls it off and makes it appealing. Would Stu Buscemi be a great Star Lord doing the exact same? Part? Well, first of all, he brings <laughs> a different energy to it. Yeah, he, you know his 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 mannerisms would also kind of be like, well, he's kind of nervous, or he's kind of. It doesn't mean that he is. It's just it's it's uh, it's just real interesting to see how it's built, and I feel like I could talk about this all day with this movie versus Shoot 'Em Up. I mean versus John Wick because John Wick is just this guy, classier, in a classier setting. It was a big house. He wears a nice suit. He's he's a tragic like this yeah, character has a tragic backstory too. Yeah. Mr. Smith has a, a backstory too, but um, it doesn't wallow in it. Again, there's all this effort made in John Wick to get you to like him before we even meet him. You know, like before we get anything deeper into this, and that's not bad. I mean, that's good. But like, like this movie, one of the things I love about it is, okay, he's just sitting there. Southerners are gonna fight. <laughs> you know, like within minute two minutes it seems like i mean it, it's yeah like, oh the opening's fantastic right and it's like and all we know is there's a lady who's pregnant being attacked by bad guys and and so we for, first of all we identify with her it's like oh she's nice she's nice well we don't know if she's nice actually she could be <laughs> it's a movie she could be giving birth to the evil antichrist for all we know <laughs> but we assume you know the movie's intentionally done that and he's intentional and even when the bad guy shows up who's chasing her the bad guy who shows up chasing her is like Pulls up the car, smashes, and is like, "I'll get you, you bitch." He's giving all the signals that he's a bad person. Like he walks past Mr. Smith, and he goes, "What you looking at?" That's an aggressive stance to make you know, "Oh, this guy's really a jerk." Right. And then he walks in, and then our hero is like, "Oh, damn it!" And he goes in, and again, our hero is like, "Oh, reluctantly, I have to go save people." It's ambiguous a little bit at the start. It's never really in question, I don't think, no. because, like you said, they, they've set up the pregnant woman to be. Pure, you know, so, which <laughs> fair enough. The guy with the gun is chasing a pregnant woman. You know what? <laughs> I'm sick of these stories where pregnant women are portrayed as the victim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wrestling with this now because it's hard to. I can't picture a story where like the pregnant woman being chased with the guy with the gun, and you're like, "Is that something wrong?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That bitch. <laughs> that would be really weird. That would be a hard sell. I'd watch that movie. 
and you convince me of it. You're like, no, 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 give it a minute. He'll be on his side. <laughs> it's really hard. That's what I mean. Like this movie does do that. It's sort of the same way with John Wick, where it's like, he's got a dog and the guy kills his dog. Well, it's just, oh man, there's nothing you can do to make me not dislike this guy because it's a dog. It's a dog. <laughs> It's like those monsters. It's the same way. Like someone wants to kill like a pregnant woman, okay, but then they go to the next level and they're gonna try to kill a baby, and it's like, well, Paul F. Tompkins has a bit where he talks about uh, his uh, he's a comedian. His his friends come up to him after they have a baby, and always give this talk about like, you don't understand, man. I would die for this baby, and he's always like, why are so many people trying to kill your baby? (laughs) Maybe your baby deserves it. What's your baby doing that so many people want to kill it? <laughs> now the baby in this movie didn't do anything wrong. Just for the record. Spoiler <laughs> alert. And the pregnant lady didn't do anything wrong either. Sure. It's not that movie yet. <laughs> Apparently we're not ready for that quite right yet. Uh, <laughs> there's a bit in the movie where Smith uh, <laughs> you're okay. I'm just I'm trying to picture a movie where you can give me like a minute and I'm just like, yeah, get that pregnant lady. <laughs> There's a bit in this movie where Smith explicitly doesn't kill a dog. He likes dogs. Like dogs. Cuz he's the good guy. He doesn't he doesn't again, he doesn't kill anybody who is not actively attacking him. Right. There's even people like he like those are bad guys, but he doesn't he's not sure, so he just beats them up. <laughs> right. Again, that's the sort of thing about like that's what makes him a hero in the action movie world is that he doesn't just go and shoot everybody. <laughs> sure. I mean, right in the Matrix, they they tell you everybody's a computer program, so you don't have to worry about. Oh, well, they're all people in the Matrix, kill. but they deserve to die <laughs> because they will stand in your way. Well, sure, they're tools of the system, right? Which is completely healthy to believe. You understand, Neo? They weren't really alive like you. <laughs> That's a healthy view of the world. Look, wake up, sheeple! I had to kill everybody, but only because. They're not really alive. <laughs> That's what makes me a little uncomfortable with the Matrix. I actually watched a, a great video. There's a movie, a, a series uh, called from a, by a guy called Louis Bob, uh, called Really That Good, Really That Good, Really That Great, or whatever. And he talks about like he does like a nom analysis of a movie, talks about how great it is, and he talks about the Matrix and how great it is. But he does always have like you know a disclaimer, and his disclaimer is like, but there are some things about the Matrix that you can easily read the wrong way. And he talks about that where it's like. Even though the movies, you know, you could take it as, like, it was really appealing to, like, 14-year-olds, because 14-year-olds are like, man, nobody's awake but me, and I'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> sure. There's always going to be an audience for the, the rebel against the system. Right, right. I don't, I don't mind that. I mean, this, this is a, don't shoot people, please. They're not, they're not robots in the system. <laughs> also... Pregnant ladies are usually not asking for it. <laughs> I want to say for the record that I am against chasing down pregnant ladies. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we got that in yes. there. <laughs> I hope I hope that's that I know it's a controversial statement. <laughs> so also, same, same babies, stance on this. Be nice to pregnant ladies. Also babies. <laughs> just be nice to babies. <laughs> 
Well, the baby's the ultimate innocent, right? Right. There's no way the baby could have done anything. Wrong. Shit, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah the, the might be a little jerk, but you know, yeah. Yes, yeah, we hit you totally. <laughs> might be baby Jeffrey Dahmer, but <laughs> you don't. Just, you don't get Hitler. to judge him yet. Yeah, baby Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a weird direction. <laughs> what were we talking about? No. Okay. Let's find one of the best things. Okay. Let's go back to that. Do you want to do the best thing first? Sure. I'll do my uh, favorite part of the movie. Um, I really love the concept of the action scenes. And we did talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, they're very creative and memorable. And um, I, I like that they really s- seem to stuck to their guns, as the director did. Yeah. Um, on, no pun intended, <laughs> on, like, filming each one of these things, even the parts that I think would have made some producers flinch a little well, bit. He sold it on an animatic he made. That's true. We watched a documentary on the DVD, and he, he basically he made an animatic of all the action scenes. Like, it just, it's just a hand-drawn, <laughs> animating with his own sound effects and stuff like that. Yeah, and, that's how he sold it. It's like scene for scene, what's in the yeah, movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, but probably on the action. I mean, they knew what they were getting when it was like, okay, in this scene, they're having sex, and he kills people while they're having sex. <laughs> and you were like, they were like, yeah, let's do it. I'd love to hear him sell that movie. So, he's going to deliver a baby, <laughs> and shoot 12 guys while he's doing it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, he's gonna, and then he's going to hit this other car. Fly through the windshield. That's right. <laughs> um, my favorite thing <laughs> is the pacing. This reminds me of one of my favorite uh, Schwarzenegger movies, Commando. Because Commando is pretty much the same thing, where it's just like, <laughs> here's the premise, and now let's have Schwarzenegger just go around and fight a bunch of people and shoot a bunch of people. He picks up a sidekick along the way. Um. They spend slightly longer in Commando establishing... Slightly longer. <laughs> relationship with his they daughter. They have the credits in Commando, where you get to see him with his daughter. Yeah. Before the movie really cuts to... Uh, the main <laughs> colonel comes up and says, like, oh, they're, gonna, they're in bad news or whatever, and then they come in the... But, but Commando has my favorite, like, subversion of uh, expectations is where the guy's, like, come, they kidnap his daughter, and he walks into his house, and there's, like, a bad guy sitting in a chair, and going, like, look, they got your daughter. So now you do what we say, right? Wrong. And he really kills him. Gets into his car and starts slowing down. I just love the idea that he's like, I'm not, I'm not playing with you guys. He's like, there's that moment where he's like, even in that movie where he's, uh, he's like, they're going to go kill the general. And then he's like, okay. And then he gets out of the plane because he's like, no, no, I'm not going to kill the general because it's not going to work. I need to kill these guys. I love that. He's never once in that movie going like, I'm, I'm playing with you guys. No. That's what I'm doing. And I tell you guys. Um, so, uh, so I love the pacing of this one. It is uh, pretty solid. And every time, it's a little bit like Crawl. Every time, like, it's going to go a little slow, there's an action scene. And, yeah. And uh, that's okay. That's not bad. Because, I mean, it's it's, not, it's like, it's, again, it's the Looney Tunes tradition. It'd be weird to watch Bugs Bunny for, for five minutes just preparing something. <laughs> when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> There's a little bit of story in here. Uh, it's very minimal. Which is not bad. Right. 
I mean, this this is an action movie. You want the action scenes? I do think it's one of the things that can be a little tricky. Is is uh, I know it's kind of you're right. A critique sometimes of, of action movies will be like, oh, the story's kind of flat. And I'm like, well, what do you need? Uh, it's weird to me. Yeah, that there's a. I mean, I'm usually willing to let it go, right? <laughs> but the story can be important. It, it can be too stuff. flat sometimes. But right. I also think it's kind of like uh, the same way about like a video game where someone will say something like, uh, well, you know, I. I it's a good video game. I just wish it had like more of a story. Like, is it fun to play? Story is important because it can make you invest. Sure. But story shouldn't like. Let's not confuse ourselves here. I mean, this, the premise of this movie is there's going to be a lot of cool gunfights. It's why it goes to the simplest story possible. There's a guy who has to protect the baby. Right. I actually like some of the discovery in this movie where yes. they're figuring out yeah. why the hell people want this baby dead. Yeah. There's still a story, <laughs> but they clearly work backwards. <laughs> I like the story, and I like that there's not too much of it. Yes. That's definitely a line to watch. Yes. Um, you're right. But an action movie, you'd expect. Yeah. Action. <laughs> Although, you know, it's weird, because I've, I've had people who are wrong <laughs> tell me stuff like, oh, you know, I thought there was just too much action. And I'm like, well, there can be too much repetitive action. But creative action is is well worth it. I mean, there are right where scenes where it's like, oh, okay, they, they shot a guy. Okay, they shot a guy. Well, they shot another guy. Well, they shot another guy. That can be kind of boring. But if you do something creative... You know, that's interesting. But of course, you know, I, I have this other personal observation that, like any genre, you have to be aware of the tropes and understanding to really appreciate it. I think a lot of people kind of equate action with mindlessness, and so they don't appreciate the yeah the choreography and the creativity that goes into a good action scene. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, there's there's a distinct difference between I think it takes a lot of effort to choreograph that mm-hmm. stuff, and people just don't appreciate it. And it yeah. So, I mean, that's the difference between... I mean, we talked about Jackie Chan movies. Those are excellently yes. <laughs> crafted um, in the choreography and the, the shots that they're making. Yeah. And um, it takes, like, a team of people to do. Right, and it's, it's, it's really a lot of work. It's a lot of... Uh, whereas, like, uh, Michael Bay's Transformers movies, especially as they went on, like, the first one... If Michael Bay could get out of his own way, it was actually a pretty decent action scene. Like one of the things I like about the first one is I feel like each of the Transformers fights and it functions in a different way, and their personality comes in. If we could see the action, it's a little better. I think it'd be a little, it'd be a much better movie. But still, Gotham's Prime fights different than Jazz, Jazz Barricade. They all have different methodology, which I think is really interesting. Then in the second one and beyond, there's just a bunch of stuff flying around the screen, and you don't, it doesn't have any personality. It's just, but like. That's one of the reasons I get frustrated by those movies. It's not because I care if they're good or not. I get frustrated because a lot of people are like, oh, that's just a big, dumb action movie. I'm like, no, that's a big, dumb action movie. Yeah, they equate bad action movies with good action right. movies. Right. It's like, a badly, it's like, um, like I, I like Supergirl a lot, and one of the reasons I like it is it's got a little too much plotting. It works a little too hard. But by the end, when like each of the, the kaiju and the, the Jaegers, they have a different style. They function in a different way. And they're big, these big plotting machines and big plotting monsters, but they each function in a different way, which is important because that's where the personality comes in. There's another movie I love, which is uh, Real Steel, which is completely about, like, they're just robots. They're not even, like, artificial intelligent machines. They're just these big remote-controlled <laughs> punching machines. And I love that movie because every punching machine has its own personality, even though it's just, it's just a tool. Right. It doesn't like when they're in the street fighting one and they're fighting Metro, who's like in the zoo, is like this cobbled together one that kind of lops around and has a special move where he can like 
step on your foot and lock it down because they don't play by the rules on the street. <laughs> and I'm like, he he's just a machine, but he has a personality, and 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 that's what makes like that movie work for me. Uh, but I think it's really interesting is when you equate like mindlessness of it, it's just sort of like fireworks. But it's like it's not fireworks. Even a good fireworks show is not just right. your fireworks going. <laughs> right. Well, interesting you should bring that up. People can tell the difference between bad fireworks show and a good fireworks show. <laughs> They're just firing fireworks in the same spot over and over again. <laughs> You're gonna get bored to leave. We're <laughs> just all the fireworks at once. Yeah. <laughs> and now, boom. <laughs> right. They fire off all the fireworks, and then it's just 30 minutes of the National Anthem. <laughs> yeah. It'd be awful. It'd be awful. <laughs> I just picture like one guy. I <laughs> <laughs> Same exact pattern. Same exact spot. Same exact color. It's 11. <laughs> so it's interesting. And, uh, and, uh, and so, like, John Wick's well-directed, but... In, and so that's important. And it's got a lot of fun in the scenes, but it doesn't have that creativity in the same way. Right. Which, I mean, it's not been going for, so it's not a bad thing. I think John Wick is also a decent action movie. Yeah. I think John Wick... I mean, the Russo brothers, they did, uh... Uh, the Captain America, Winter Soldier, and Captain America Civil War. And those are among my favorite of the Marvel movies in terms of how creatively and how well-staged they are. Wasn't one of them a stunt guy? I think so. Um, but like, um, some of Keanu Reeves' others. Maybe. Uh, I, I'm not I really sure. Know. All I know is like, like Civil War could have been so impossible or so boring. Oh, yeah. Because you have all those superheroes and it's like they each have a different style and they all have different tools and abilities. And it could have been so boring. It could have been just, I slash you. I shoot you. <laughs> I shriek. But it's got this really great energy in that. And, uh, it's so well directed and so It's an incredibly complex fight scene. Right. Together. Right. Compared to that, John looks pretty straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> He's crossing his arms now. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, that one, because you really have to be like, oh here like somehow I gotta make it seem like Hawkeye's not gonna get killed immediately. <laughs> right. I don't I don't I'm not doing it as a slice Hawkeye. I love Hawkeye. I'm just saying when there's guys like the vision running around. Sure. Yeah. He is but a man. He's really good with the bow. <laughs> At least in the comic books, he's got a lot more trick arrows. That's where I think he gets screwed in the Avengers movies. He's got, like, arrows that can do cool stuff. Hmm. He has a few in the movies. Yeah, a few. Uh, <laughs> we're going back. Oh, okay, so worst thing. What does, movie, what does arrows do in the comic books? Well, he's got, like, traditional, like, like, a knockout arrow and a sonic arrow. and I mean, they basically, like, he's just got a bunch of arrows. Oh, God. Okay. You ready? Here's my nerd. There's more nerd stuff for comic books, so I'm ready. I know because of my edition of the Marvel Universe that I used to have is that each of the bow, each of the arrows is, has a, has slight notches in the back, so when he reaches, he knows which one he's pulling out. <laughs> he's basically coded it. He wasn't going on pure instinct. He's also, he also later on had like the, I think like actually had like a, a programmable heads that he could put in, like Iron Man gave him like a quick that. It looked like that's what he had in. Yeah, I think um, they had it in the movie. So I think they, yeah, they, Avengers. Yeah. Um, but originally, he had just memorized because he's a pro. Sure. You don't want to shoot your sonic <laughs> arrow at the wrong time. 
How embarrassing. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like the Blue Raja throwing a spoon at the worst possible time. <laughs> We're definitely doing mystery man. I would totally I love mystery man. I think it's I think it's underrated classic. That's very I true. think there's not almost nothing in Mystery Man that is not amazing. <laughs> it's also, I think, the most perfect casting in movie history. So my worst thing <laughs> is talking about shooting up <laughs> is the uh, uh, the scene with the contraption combat where he's got <laughs> too many guns and it's kind of like we're just like okay that's kind of cool and then every while longer it goes it's kind of like uh, that's I know it's not believable it's not trying to be believable. But I'm still like, this is like a night's work in this gun factory. Somebody should spot it. A night? That's <laughs> a maybe a day and a half. Yeah. <laughs> that's a ridiculous amount of stuff. Right, there's that scene in Elf where Will Ferrell changes the whole store in the one night, and that's like they said, like, like it was a week's worth of work to do that. But I'm like, but that's the thing, he's an elf. He's got elf and magic on his side. So he's got action movie logic on his side. But I, I that's the, it's okay, but it's like, Maybe my it's my definitely my least favorite action scene in the, in the movie. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's fun still. It's fun. I like it at first. It just gets to the point where he's like literally got a gun that he can manipulate by pulling ropes and all that. It it, it gets a little. If it hadn't been quite so many guns on strings, <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have been terrible. Which are worse? Uh, my least favorite thing. Um, there's a lot of parts of this movie where he goes, you know what I hate. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fine. It's it's part of the movie. I mostly enjoy it, but it gives me this this feeling of like watching falling down a little bit, where like angry white guys yeah. <laughs> complaining about society. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's that line because it's such a um, Looney Tunes style movie. Like the original Bugs Bunny uh, cartoons, he was just an asshole. Really? Yeah, and um, it was only later on that Chuck Jones realized that like. Bugs kind of starts out wronged. Somebody comes along and is either trying to do something bad or, or does something to Bugs Bunny, and then he responds. And he goes, and it's only then that, that moment that you really empathize with the Bugs Bunny. And which is true because a lot of the cartoon characters before that, like Daffy Duck, when he was actually Daffy, um, he was just an asshole 90% of the time. He was just like some hapless guy would get stumble along. And Bugs has that too if you watch a couple of the early cartoons. It's only later on that you see it where it's like the bad guy does something and then he responds, you know? Yeah. The sympathy of the audience is important. Right. Cause because it's not, it's not right. He's a bully. Well, it's also that thing about you're a bully. If you just pick on a hapless guy, even if he's a jerk, you're still a bully. If you've got every advantage over him, <laughs> you know, we know that Elmer Fudd's not going to outwit Bugs Buddy. So Elmer Fudd's just walking along and Bugs Buddy just starts screwing with him. <laughs> you're like, well, I get it, but I still kind of feel bad for the guy. <laughs> yeah. Leave Elmer alone. Stop punching down, bugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. pretty great. <laughs> it's why like, Captain America, you don't want to watch Captain America, just, you know, with one commando. It's just, you put oh, that poor guy, he never showed us. He's still kind of bad. <laughs> I'm like, I know he was a bad guy, but, you know. I mean, fine if, it'd be fine if he beat up one guy, but if he beat up, like, somebody for literary... <laughs> You'd probably feel pretty terrible. Litter bugs? No, those guys deserve it. Yeah. Litter bugs are worse than pregnant women. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, Captain, you didn't have to cave his skull in. Cat's very, very militant. Yeah. America. 
Because the subtext of this movie, America. It is. <laughs> uh, it does a little commentary on gun culture, which is interesting. Being it, you know, I would say it's a, uh, it's hypocritical, except that it's so absurd. You know, it's like sometimes you can be. It's like it's. Here's the thing I do like about this movie. I will say I like about this movie, which is an accident. It didn't do well enough that it got a sequel. <laughs> because sequels always mess everything up. Oh sure. We were talking earlier about Death Wish, and there's the the Bruce Willis version now, which seems like a little bit. It makes me a little uncomfortable in the sense that it just feels like angry white guy shooting shooting people. <laughs> um, but there's a part in like Death Wish, the original movie, is a pretty dark movie about like crime and vigilantism and how it doesn't really work, but also crime is still dangerous and there's no real satisfaction and it's all terrible and it's always going to suck. And there's no, like if you're the victim of crime, no matter how many times you victimize criminals, even if they deserve it, you are still not going to be satisfied. It's still an empty hollow. Crime sucks. Right. And vigilantism sucks. I forgot it's not. And then Cannon bought it and then they were like, Death Wish 4, by Death Wish 4, he's just bowling down people. <laughs> and it becomes this sort of action movie. You know, and say, Rambo has the same thing. Rambo, the first Rambo is all about how, what a price of war. What does it cost a man? And then by Rambo 3, it's, it's awesome to kill people that are bad. And then again, they go back to Ram- Rambo, whatever, where they were like, now it's bad to kill people, but I'm still going to do it. <laughs> sure. And the problem with a lot of those sequels is that they may... The better ones may pay some attention to what the original story was and try to reproduce it in some form. And I'm thinking Die Hard here. Right? But it's less. Die Hard, I mean, the guy's trapped in a building. He has to do extraordinary things to yeah. to save himself and people he's with. But <laughs> that keeps happening to him. <laughs> At some point, you're going <laughs> to maybe stop putting yourself in these situations. <laughs> At some point, it's, it's hard to stop. Like, like oh, is he going to get out of this? I think we'll get out of it. Yeah, but I mean, beyond that... He, Diary became more murdery. Yes. <laughs> they added on sequels to it. Yes. Well, yeah, because that's sort of the escalation effect where things get bigger and bigger. Like, even I was watching the, the trailer for the new Pacific Rim sequel, and I'm like, uh, I'm like, I haven't, you know, the trailer doesn't mean much, but I'm also watching, I'm like, oh, there's too much. Like, I love monsters, and I love, you know, robot mechs and all that, but I'm like, there's too many of these things now. It goes from... Yeah, the first like, one had like half a dozen Jaegers or something. It had like, yeah, and, and even then it didn't know what to do with them. It kind of killed half of them really quickly. Sure. And it's like, there's like... Uh, and it's kind of like, I get it, it's more, but at the same time, more is not always better. I mean, even I feel like that about the Star Wars. I know that um, people disagree with me, but I, I feel like the Force was much more interesting when before it became a uh, power creep, before it got so powerful. But it was just a handful of like little tricks you could do before, like literally Kylo Ren can just freeze lightsaber blaster bolts. Right, back when Boba Fett had a chance. Right, and like like in Rogue One, where Darth Vader can like literally throw people around, like just with his mind. Sure. You know, and and so you go back to the first movie. It takes Darth Vader like five minutes to choke one guy. Right, and I mean it's a pretty cool thing. Sure. But it's not like like if he was gonna massacre him with a lightsaber, he just killed him with a lightsaber. He wouldn't like. Oh, get on me started out. I, I get mad. I get mad. <laughs> you know what I hate. <laughs> Please go on. <laughs> I hate that the force, like the telekinesis of the force was clearly established. I'm going to say canon here. 
that it couldn't move living things because living things have their own will and energy in the energy field. I know it was dumb, but this is the way I felt about it. Because here's the thing. If you can have telekinesis, why would you ever bother with other stuff? Like, and I'm okay with the idea that, okay, you have telekinesis and you can move people. But, like, when the Jedi are even throwing themselves around, I'm like, why are they, why would you bother? <laughs> it's like, they'll do this weird thing where they're, like, so their legs are fighting and then somebody will go, ooh, push, and the other guy gets thrown across the room. And I'm like, could you not do that originally? <laughs> do you need the guy to drop his guard for a second? Like, oh, I can't parry and push back on the force. This annoys me. You don't understand the force. It's just a terrible version of it. It's the least interesting version of it. Um, I love the the Jedi as knights with a few little magic tricks, not gods. It's just boring. Yeah. I, I tend to agree. Yeah, whatever. I'm not going to argue about it. <laughs> well, you can disagree. It's fine. Well, I'm not going to. Oh, good. Uh... So that's this. If this movie had, the, the this movie had had a sequel, Star Wars Seven would have become ridiculous. Star Wars Seven felt awfully flat. <laughs> well, like Rogue One has a scene where Darth Vader literally like doing amazing stuff, and then it's like, what are you doing? Well, you don't do that. Yeah, he's dribbling the rebels like basketball. Why? But they only be the only one. He's just like, okay, we're gonna stay out here, hit our swords a couple <laughs> of times. By the way, I'm saying swords intentionally because that's my disrespect for Star Wars. I shouldn't be talking about Star Wars. Um, I've got to stop talking about Star Wars. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> Not because I, I... It's because I don't think Star Wars is worth talking about. And not because I think it's bad, by the way. I think that it's beyond any kind of ability to judge. If you like Star Wars or hate Star Wars or are neutral to Star Wars, it's completely irrelevant. They're going to make a billion dollars. People are going to see it. Some people will love it. I'm not going to make... Uh, tell them they're wrong for loving it because everyone has their different things. Sure. Some people are going to hate it. I'm not going to say they're wrong for hating it. Some people are going to be indifferent and it doesn't matter. It's like it's beyond any kind of judgment. I like Star Wars. I think I'm in your camp where I would just wish there was more to it. Yeah. Um, because it feels like they're doing the same. Every movie's about Jedi now. <laughs> doing... and they show the same planets and the same ships and the same Force tricks. Except more so. <laughs> right. Um, and it's just, they're, they're doing the same thing over and over yeah. again, and they're going to keep doing it until people stop going to see the movies. Right. Like, like people complaining about, like, Marvel movies, and there's a sameness in some degree to them, but there's still enough differences in the sense that, even if you keep consider them the same style, Ant-Man is a significantly different character than Black Panther. Like, the Black Panther trailer they show, it's really cool. It's a whole different world he's at. He's a whole different like country. It's like the cool things he's going for. The Black Panther's methodology is cool. He's a freaking king. <laughs> like in a cool African nation where everybody looks awesome. It's like, that's different. But like, is there really a difference between Rey as, as a Jedi and Luke as a Jedi? And even Anakin. Is Anakin significantly different? It's like, no, they're all Jedi. They're all the same guys doing the same story arc. Pretty much. Anyway, let's spin the wheel of uh, we're going to say communism. <laughs> I'm not just going to say communism. We're going to spin the wheel of metaphors. Oh boy, I'm excited. After it loads. We can cut this out or I can just go. It's spinning. Oh boy. Yeah, I can see. 
Climate change. Climate change. Have we done climate change before? I don't think so. Mm. Maybe. Climate change. Did that weirdly come up on Cloudy with a chance of me boss? <laughs> it would have been appropriate. <laughs> I can't remember anymore. Uh, it's all buddy together. <laughs> Alright, so... I guess... Uh, I'll, I'll take a stab at this. <laughs> Please do. So Smith knows that murder is destroying the environment around him, but he can't stop. <laughs> Everybody kind of realizes how wrong it is to kill all these people, but not they, they can't see far enough to the future to stop murdering people. Because <laughs> it's just not the way humans are built, man. <laughs> so you're saying, oh, this is an interesting attack. I like this. Because I like that you took the non-traditional route of assigning the hero the role of the despoiler of the environment in this metaphor. Because even with the best of intentions... We are all our own anti-hero in this instance. <laughs> that's true. Well, there is, there is, uh, villain, I there is that thing about, like, uh, I remember one time I was watching an interview and the guy said, well, you don't understand, you have to understand, humans have come as far as we have because we were willing to burn so many things. <laughs> sure. Like you know, it's like we 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 burned wood for fire, and then we're like, oh look, oil. Oh whales, you can burn whales full. Hey, coal. Uh, you know, uh, uh, we can boil water. We can we can we can make things hot and get something out of them. And he was like, technology is built on the back of sudden fires. <laughs> right. And he goes, and so that's what he's his argument was part of the reason that we're having trouble like converting to like solar and wind is because we've had millions of years to be. No, you burn stuff. That's how you get something out of it. And then somebody comes along and says, like, well, you just set these up and they'll collect wind energy. And someone's like, and you burn the wind. No, no, you don't burn it. You just collect it. Uh, I don't know. Heat is where stuff comes from, man. The sun. You know, we're like, oh, look how bright it is. Oh, it's burning us. We could focus that into a tiny ray and right. set something on fire. And I thought that was a really interesting dynamic. Uh, and so it is that interesting idea about, like, and some of it's even appropriate because, like, in this case, his, he's, he's doing something good. He's protecting, you know, a, a, a child right. stopping that, <laughs> but he still has to use the met methods that are available, which can be damaging. He feels justifiably, probably, that yeah. he's in the right. And it's only tools available to him, too. I mean, that's the other thing, too. It's hard, it's hard to switch out when the tools aren't available to you. They haven't made the uh, <laughs> knocker-outer bullets yet. <laughs> <laughs> Those are batteries. You just throw and get some of that and they get knocked out. It works so well. That never battering never cracks somebody's skull. No, it's always perfect. Somebody pointed out that like uh, in a lot of the Batman, he'll throw it and it'll like either impale something or just knock somebody out. And he's like, he's so good at it, but he knows exactly how to throw it, so no one accidentally gets tapped in the face or something. Although you gotta think, if you keep fighting Batman after repeated head trauma, you might be suffering. Yeah. <laughs> Batman kills somebody through long-term brain injury. <laughs> Batman's the NFL of Gotham. <laughs> Basically. So, all right. I like your metaphor. I I, I, I think it's good, I, and I like the twist. Slap the metaphor sticker on it. Or <laughs> the hell we do. Uh. All right. Well, we'll do our. Plug some stuff. Yes. <laughs> Our website is savethemovies.com. 
Which, if you don't know that by now, I mean. Well, some of this might be the first one someone can't wait to hear about. <laughs> I don't know. I find that hard to believe. It'd be weird. New, uh, listeners? new listeners? <laughs> I don't know, Alex. <laughs> I'm still going to say it. They always say it on all the other shows. <laughs> Our Twitter is at Save the Movies. Facebook is Save the Movies. Um, save the movies and in whatever social media search engine you happen to be in should work. <laughs> right. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at A. Lee Martinez. You can find me with, with ALEEMartinez.com. My Facebook, I'm on Facebook as Martinez like 27 which is weird. You can also find my official Facebook fan page, Ailey Martinez Action Force Clubhouse. Is that how old you feel? <laughs> oh, I feel. This movie came out ten years ago. Oh, like, oh man, more and more. It just came out. Oh no, it didn't. <laughs> put up a web page. This is. I don't think I was even. If I was so, I was barely, yeah, barely dating my wife, or not dating my wife yet. Really, really close to that. It's a while ago. Yeah. Ten year anniversary coming up. I love you, baby. No, not ten. Ten year. Seven. We've been together ten years. <laughs> Being in a 10 years, 7th anniversary. Good catch. Yes. <laughs> All right, we'll take a spoiler break here. Um, <laughs> go find Shoot 'em Up if you can, if you want. Uh, watch it. It's a good movie. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> okay. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Guns don't kill people, but they sure help. All right. All right. So <laughs> we open the movie. Scott, it's got your favorite thing, Scott. <laughs> the subverted logo. <laughs> the dominated movie logo. <laughs> the movie's so powerful <laughs> that it takes the logo and twists it <laughs> into a nightmare vision of itself. Um, so they show the new line logo. <laughs> and here's some bullet noises. Parts of it are getting shot out. And then, hey, it's the normal logo. That's all I got to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, I'm, I'm glad the way you're shooting it. Like, the movie's so powerful, it can't even wait for the movie to get done. Come here, you. I'm going to show this a lot of who's boss. So we open in the movie, and um, Clive Owens just sitting there. The close of a Clive eating a carrot <laughs> yeah. at a bus stop. <laughs> and eating the carrot, I pointed out, is Pretty much the Bugs Bunny introduction. Yeah. Um, he used uh, it like Bugs Bunny, too. <laughs> well, the is Bugs Bunny usually looks a little like more jovial about it. He's just kind of like bitter. But still, yes. He knows what he's about. He knows what he's about. <laughs> Bugs Bunny didn't murder as many people. <laughs> it was only because he had the different physics to deal with. Fair enough. People don't die in the Bugs Bunny world. <laughs> They're uh, post-climate change. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'd have a lot less death if people were immortal. Wars would be really weird though when you just have like people blown up and they just be like their faces all fucking. Oh my god! <laughs> I didn't think you were going there. I'm just saying. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I wish for immortal wars that go on forever. Wars already go on forever anyway. It doesn't matter. I guess it's. They do yeah, that when uh, death becomes real a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Yeah, the difference is in Looney Tunes, you heal. We're yeah. talking about permanently scarred people. <laughs> not that kind of monster. Oh, you're not a sicko. <laughs> you're not a sicko. 
Well, anyway, we're not immoral yet because of the Congress and grid, uh, gridlock in Congress. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Obama. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. <laughs> I hear they had that writer in there. No immortality. They had that. Had that. Could have put that in there. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Washington. That's a writer. <laughs> it's an amendment to some farm bill. It's not going to pass. The pregnant lady walks by, and he's just kind of watches her go, and then the. The guy pulls up in the car and is like, ah, I'll get you, bitch. I love how incompetent he is about parking the car. I know, and I like where he takes it out. He's like trying to get out the wrong <laughs> yeah. way. He's just making him angrier. <laughs> and he runs back, we talked about it, he's, he's an obnoxious jerk. To yeah. the guy who's just sitting there, doesn't do anything. <laughs> Look, I get the pregnant lady. Your job is to kill her. Although I don't even know why you're going to be rude. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> he's a pussy with a gun. <laughs> well, but I think that's important is... In John Wick, with rare exception, everyone's always very polite. This is the comparison. In this movie, people are jerks. <laughs> yeah. You know? It doesn't put that, like... I know it's weird, because it shouldn't matter, but it puts that kind of civility on it, and this one is, like, undisguised. That makes it feel like a more real movie. It does, but it's also... Even though it's not more realistic. Not at all. It's less realistic, which is, not, which is saying something. Yeah. But it is interesting because again, it's that it's that like there's this dark, crowded street. He's on the bus stop. He's in his hoodie and his his fingerless gloves because he's down and out. Uh, there's nobody else on the street. It's dark. The woman goes and she doesn't go into like uh, she goes into like an abandoned building. <laughs> and it's like it's all it's all creepy and disgusting, you know. And I'm like. There's a weird thing about that, which is the John Wick kind of makes it seem almost gentlemanly <laughs> to kill people. Yeah, he's a he's a gentleman assassin. Well, I mean, that's one thing that's kind of cool about the John Wick universe is that right. they really they have a hotel, it's they part have of the a very mythos. organized thing. It's very it's very polite. Yeah, they have their own money system. <laughs> right, like there's all these rules. It's all very high class, and this one is like, no, this is violence is is brutal and ugly. Look at one and. Uh, <laughs> Right, the premise of John Wick is more fantastical because he is the the gentleman assassin, and yeah. everybody knows who he is. Right, <laughs> and there's just apparently they, they just shoot this assassins. whole other world. Yeah, and it's just assassin shooting assassin, which is right. <laughs> the main thing about the movie. But apparently, it goes on all the time, and we just never know, like uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> there's it's like ninja wizards. fights in the sewers. There's wizards and hitmen <laughs> and. Uh, so what you're saying is, here's what I like to believe in my fan fiction I'm writing, is that <laughs> oh that uh, they all exist at once, and none of them are aware of each other. And then one day, John Wick turns on the wrong alley and runs into some wizards, <laughs> and, and uh, who are fighting some ninjas, and it all goes to hell. <laughs> Jig is up. <laughs> Wait a minute. You guys are fighting a shadow war? I'm fighting a shadow war. We should team up. The and then suddenly you've got nature's fighting wizards, and I'm totally in. Cass gonna electrocute himself. So so yeah, he goes in, and there's the immediate action scene where, well, like he he kills the guy by jamming a carrot in his throat. I love when he gets up on the bench. Yeah, and does makes it really heavy stuff. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Litters. 
Sort of. I mean, it's near trash, but he does throw his, his coffee right. away. I feel like he'd judge somebody else who did that. <laughs> you know what I hate? People oh just throw their God. coffee on He's the ground. He's a hypocrite. <laughs> now I can't root for it. <laughs> so they get in there, and uh, she she tries to shoot the hitman, and fails. Like, shoots his, breaks his gun? She no, she him? just misses. Oh, well, I thought she would get, like, hits his gun or something, and then he pulls out his knife. Uh, which is like, dude, just shoot her. I think he just pulls out his knife because, well, they want the kid. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, right. Like, they do the want the kid. Out that's right. They do want the kid. All right. So he's going <laughs> to... <laughs> gruesome. Let's not talk about This is gruesome. Oh, yeah. And um, then uh, Owen, Owen, Mr. Smith and Owen Wilson, like, Owen Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Is that a gun? I'm Owen. Uh, kills him with a carrot. <laughs> oh, wow. Did I just kill that guy with a carrot? That's wild. Director does Royal Tenenbaums. <laughs> oh, uh, you thinking of the shoot him up as a? <laughs> oh, what's that guy? Who's that guy? Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure movie. Have you, seen, have you seen Wes Anderson like Sarah Lyon, the Wes Anderson like slasher movie oh, that they did, and, and it's like uh, Edward Norman was playing like Wes Anderson was playing uh, Owen Wilson. Oh, wow, honey, there's some weird people on the lawn. <laughs> Was that the purge or something? It's like uh, it's like some kind of like, like there's some weird killers, but it's done by like an old Wilson style. Oh, you gotta check it out. You gotta, it's, a, it's done in a Wes Anderson style. It's kind of like Alec Baldwin narrates it. It's kind of like, like uh, it's a Saturday Night Live. It's called like the Midnight Gathering of the Coterie Killers or something. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> so, what was your movie? Anyway, this is just take out Steve Buscemi, Owen <laughs> Wilson, and the shoot 'em up guy. Bill Murray is the villain. <laughs> there's so many telling you, man. There's so uh, many good casting choices. Change this movie. How is this movie not more popular? <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, the carrot death. I'm gonna label this carrot death number one. Yes. Like, <laughs> he stuffs the carrot in the guy's mouth. Yeah. It's very loony. <laughs> punches him so hard, and the carrot comes out the back of his throat. Which is less than Tunes. <laughs> but yeah. Well, that's Looney Tunes, though. It's just Looney Tunes in the sense of what happened in real life. <laughs> right. Live action Looney Tunes. Right. Uh, then he, uh, there's the gunfight. Yeah, the guys gun. flood in from everywhere. Right, and he starts shooting all of them. And he has the oil slide. And again, <laughs> like, I don't mind the oil slide, but it gets Looney Tunes style, because that's not that much oil. But he literally, like, 
like no loss of momentum. And then he, he uh, shoots the table, runs over, shoots those guys. Then he runs into the room, shoots the camera, and it's like, shoot him up! Yeah. <laughs> well, he delivers the baby first. Well, no, that's the, no, that, then they cut to the delivering the baby. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. Because it's just in the middle of a gunfight <laughs> while he's delivering the baby, and he's shooting all the guys while the baby's being delivered. And then he said that line, you know what I hate? Guys got ponytails. <laughs> 40 year old pricks have ponytails. <laughs> And shoots the guy's ponytail yeah, off. Yeah, he shoots the, somehow he lethally shoots the guy's ponytail off. Just aim in a little bit? I guess. Um, maybe that was I the don't wonder about strength. the physics of it. Maybe that was the source of his strength. It must have been. That's where all the blood was. <laughs> it's luxurious hair. <laughs> yeah. The split ends. He delivers the baby, and then they're being chased by Paul Giamatti's the last guy. Right. He delivers the baby as he's having the gunfight. Right. Right. He shoots the umbilical cord. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, like, that's right. That's why I wrote that note down. I love that idea. You're right. It reminds me of, like, Homer when he has gun where he's <laughs> like, shooting out his lights and changing the TV channel. Opening his beer. Opening his beer. So they run, and Paul Giamatti shows up, and he pulls the, he gets the gun from Paul Giamatti. And then they call you and he talks about the gun and they can't fire and they talk and they circle each other. And he's got that little anecdote about tit for tat. Yeah. <laughs> to establish that he's a weird creep. He is a weird creep. The other guys show up, there's more feuding, and then he's dragging the pregnant lady out with her baby and she dies. Tragically. Tragically, because his story doesn't need her anymore. <laughs> she died of plot point disease. Happens to a lot of moms in a lot of movies. She died before she could tell. Uh, Clive Owen, what the hell was going on? Well, yeah, that would have been a really short movie. Because <laughs> that'd be awkward. Yes. Uh, oh, wow, there's a baby. Oh. <laughs> he's going to grab the baby. I love that he's going to leave the baby because he's like, well, it's done, I can't. Then he, he goes and grabs the baby anyway. Yeah. And then he goes up to the roof and has a shootout. And there's a classic line that became swept the nation. Fuck you, you fucking fucker. <laughs> <laughs> he shoots out parts of this neon sign that tells us fuck you <laughs> that part seemed really strange it's like if it just sort of happened by accident I, but it's like literally you're wasting bullets to make a message cause he's not good but it, you know, <laughs> at the same time this is a weird movie well it would have if he hadn't done that it would have been uh, possible for uh, Paul G. Money to follow up yeah and <laughs> shoot up you the L on tool. Jumps, by the way, this baby, I don't think this baby... If you find yourself in a gunfight with a baby, try not to win around so You were shaking the baby a lot. This baby is getting shaken a lot. Now, I accept that because, again, it's action movie world. In action movie world, people are tougher. So I got some babies are tougher, too. Sure. Right? I don't know what kind of weak babies you've been hanging around. I'm just assuming it's an action movie baby. They're a lot tougher. <laughs> Yeah. The baby's fine. <laughs> You're weird at the movie. Oh, man, I shouldn't have jumped through a window with the baby. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> this movie might do it. <laughs> uh, and I like, I like uh, there's a scene of Jamadi like, talking to his henchmen. And it's kind of the traditional villain moment. But I do like the, that part where he's like, his boss is like, I, I was going to go get her boss. He's like, no, I was there. I just took care of it. I'm not one of those 
those uh, bosses who doesn't do anything, sits on his hat, hands all day. Yeah. And I like that. I was like, okay, that's, he's got some work ethic. Sure. <laughs> he takes pride in what he does. <laughs> right. And then there's that one henchman that got shot in the ass, saying, like, well, she pulled the gun on this, and it all went terrible. But she went through his ass again. Which is, it doesn't kill the guy. It's a warning, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a warning. <laughs> Which, uh, I thought it was interesting they didn't kill any of his own men. Right. They wouldn't that cliche. Well, well mainly because wasn't they all die anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, sure. But they didn't like fully make him a psychopath, I guess. I mean, okay, he's, he's a psychopath. At one but point. it's so common for the villain to, to shoot one of his own guys to demonstrate like how heartless he is. That's yeah. weird not to see it. Well, and it's it's always been one of my least favorite like. Uh, cliches because I'm just like, well, why would I, I I get that people are stupid and work for bad bosses. Yeah, but there's a limit. <laughs> you know, it's like in, uh, in uh, my novel, Constance Verity, Last Adventure, Constance Verity, she's like a, a pulp adventure kind of character, and, and one of the things that, like she said, at one point she sneaks into like a secret base, and she's really disappointed that they don't all wear like just a cut uniform with like the mask that cover their face. And she's like, oh, it's a lot harder because a lot of the organizations realize it's like, well, if you just give a henchman a number, nobody cares. But if it's Judy from accounting, people pay attention <laughs> if she disappears. And, and there's another part where, like, a, a like a leader of the organization is literally, like, thinking about, like, uh, like lecturing a, a henchman. And she's just like, ah, oh, I wish I could just shoot him. But no, that's not what we do anymore. Because then people won't talk to you. They just leave, and you need to sit down and talk to you. So she's, like, got a gun, and she's just finally, she's just like, it's kind of bad. She's in the foot, which is the worst she can do. But otherwise, you're right. It's, 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 such, it's just, it's like... Creates some process problems. <laughs> so this, yeah, it's just, because you're right, I always struck me as like, like they're like, was it Lethal Weapon 2? Poor management. It's just that, poor management. Lethal Weapon 2, that joke where they kill the one guy on the plastic, and then the second time, the henchman's being lectured by his boss, he looks around, and the henchman's like, the boss is like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm looking for if there's plastic. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So yeah, I like that he does it. <laughs> Is he reasonable for shooting the guy in the ass? I don't know, but at least he can learn. Sure. <laughs> He's still unhinged. <laughs> He's unhinged enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you see, you, know, you don't have to you don't have to be a tryhard villain. <laughs> you just have to be a villain. I'm on record is you shoot me in the foot to teach me a lesson. I still think that's too far. <laughs> but you'll get the message. I will get the message. <laughs> Uh, I also think uh, it's really interesting because this close to me, what I feel like is the intentional casting is Paul Giamatti is the like the basically the heavy in this movie, and I, I think he's not very intimidating, and I think that goes back to the Looney Tunes idea, which is that Elmer Fudd, you know, Seventy Sam are not intimidating characters, right? You know, like they're intentionally kind of small and round, kind of clownish, clownish looking, and and I don't think Paul Giamatti again, he's not really looking silly in this movie, but he doesn't look the role you would expect. Right, and some of his pontifications are a little silly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so they chase uh, Smith into a bathroom. Yeah, he's he hiding runs in the bathroom. bathroom. Yeah, he's hiding in a bathroom, and he drops his drops his gun, gun in the, the toilet. toilet. Which again, John Wick would never drop his gun in the toilet. <laughs> John Wick wasn't holding the baby. <laughs> Doesn't matter. John Wick would not. I mean, he gets messed up by the end of the movie, but he's always very like he's not going to be in a grimy location like this. That's true. Because this is just a bathroom. This is a grimy bathroom. 
There's a great scene here where he pulls his gun apart and cleans it off. Right, trying to dry it out, clean it up. <laughs> so that it will maybe shoot yeah. when he needs it to. And then the other guy shows up, who's like, not the same. he doesn't work with the same bad guy. We don't know that yet, but he's the agent. Right. He's and, cleaner cut. Yes. And he clearly looks <laughs> Wearing a suit. Right. He clearly looks, he looks like an arc. Right. And they have a, they have a gunfight in the uh, bathroom, and they had that part where, the part you liked. Oh yeah, where he holds the he holds the guy's hand in the hand dryer close enough to the coil that like burns his hand and he drops yeah. the gun. And then he dries out his own gun. <laughs> because hand dryers are useful tools. There you go, but they're bad for the environment. <laughs> Wait, are they? What? Electricity. They use up electricity. Mm, solar or something. I don't know. Wind juice. <laughs> I'm just going back to know, going back to your, your metaphor <laughs> about Clive Owen destroying the environment to save his baby. Right. The environment of his fellow humans. You know, I'm gonna take I'm sorry, <laughs> go back to your metaphor real quickly. <laughs> oh boy. Because think about it. He's walking almost every scene in this movie is in a grimy, dirty location, which is a metaphor for like the world that he is in. And yeah. The world that we pretend not to notice. That we, we're so entrenched in, we wouldn't notice. <laughs> and at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, when he goes to the diner and he, and he finds the baby and, and the... Oh, I can't remember the group police, the prostitute's name. Did they tell him? Um, uh, I'm not sure they ever actually... Yeah, it. they may not have. Um, they're both in the diner, which is sort of a classic Americana diner. Clean. Looks very nice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's almost like He's possibly changed his way, so the future of their world is brighter. But then <laughs> the bad guys come in, representing the fact that you cannot get away from man's inhumanity to the environment. Come in to pillage it. I'm getting way ahead on this, but I'm going in anyway. And then he has to resort to violence to once again to stop them, thus ruining. Yeah, he doesn't really fit. <laughs> yeah, the, the the pristine. Fantasy, because the fantasy 50s is a fantasy. It was a real place. Sure. Done. <laughs> I really like this. I'm good. I'm good. I think it is, it's interesting that the people who come in to rob the diner are clearly, they're very dirty. Yeah. And they're clearly desperate people. Right. They represent the... The last gasp of the... They represent the future coming, whether you want Industrialism. Right. That's, well, I mean, I mean, you really can't get, I think, much more on the nose than, like, grime. Because grime really is... I mean, it's always been a part of her art, but the Industrial Revolution really pushed that up a lot. Oh, sure. You know, especially the... the I mean, I'm sure the Middle Ages was not exactly clean, but... <laughs> I think there's a difference in the amount of crime you could accumulate in one place. <laughs> yes, yes. Right, it just made it part of the landscape. Yes. So going back to the scene, though... <laughs> anyway. Our... <laughs> uh, uh, Oh, then there's this scene of Paul Giamatti funneling the dead girl. Yeah. <laughs> creepy. Oh, he's, very creepy. He's a good actor. He's totally selling it. So they're the guy. His uh, henchmen are like burying corpses. Yes, in a grimy location again. Yeah. Whereas John Wick, those corpses would have been whisked away by the cleaning service. Very polite cleaning crew. <laughs> Got some, got some bodies for us there, Mr. Wick. That's right. 
in this movie, Paul Giamatti has to bury the corpses himself. <laughs> right, which is sort of a metaphor for landfills and, and uh, nuclear waste. I'm going to go all the way. This is not <laughs> <Why intentionally>. not? <laughs> Landfills are in the environment, though. I mean, they can't be, but they can be good, too. I think uh, nuclear waste. Nuclear waste is an issue. <laughs> got to do something with it. <laughs> got to nuke something. Can't just leave it lying around. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he's fondling the dead girl. And then he realizes that breast, <laughs> the baby's going to breast milk. Breast milk. Yeah. And so he figures out that like they're going to go. He's going to go fight somebody who's who's lactating. Right. That somebody's lactating that Smith has access to. Yes. <laughs> and of course, in this case, it's it's a prostitute who specializes in the. Yeah. Now here's I mean, again, interesting. He could have just gone and bought formula. Here's, here's <laughs> the thing about this that I love about this. This again goes back to the griminess of this movie. John Wick goes to a uh, goes to a brothel. It would be classy all the way through. There would be all these like ladies talking very politely. Sure, they'd be they'd be you know really attractive, but they might even be wearing suits or something fancy gowns. Be wearing morning gowns. Like or maybe lingerie that was very classy, expensive. Yeah. And they wouldn't like you know they'd just be like oh look at this way, sir, and you'd see somebody being led to a room. You might hear some noise, but you're not going to see anything. <laughs> this one, like right away. Again, the, the, the first lady he's in greeted, she looks like a nun. And so she turns around and you can see she's wearing... <laughs> Assless. Right. Nun Which is sort of, the again, the veneer of civility stripped away. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, I, I just can't get... This is really fascinating <laughs> to me because it's the same thing about Kingsman. Like, like Kingsman had that where, like... Um, uh, I saw, I like two okay. I didn't like a lot of the choices, but I, but like one I really like. And what's interesting about Kingsman one is how it's basically James Bond, uh, without the subtlety or without the, so like, for example, at the end of Kingsman where he, he, uh, saves the world and he just goes to have sex with the princess. He's just going to have sex with the princess because he saved the world. That's his reward. And, you know, people are like, well, that's kind of, you know, skeevy. And I'm like, James Bond does that every single time. <laughs> The only difference is, is that the way it's shot makes it look like romantic and fun. Yeah. Now, here's what I thought was really funny. One of the few choices I remember. It dance around it slightly. Right. James Bond, I guess. It's the subtext of it. It's the, the illusion that, like, it's, it's civilized. And really it's saying, hey, James Bond, you saved the world. Have some sex. And what I love about Kingsman 2, like, I didn't like a lot of things with choices, but one of the choices I loved about Kingsman 2 is the princess is still in the series. Yeah. And not only that, she's in a relationship with Eggsy. Uh, uh, and I love that because the subversion of that is that James Bond always has the disposable love interest that's gone by the next movie. And I love that part of the plot, that's like one of the few things I really loved about that movie was Princess Tilde is not disposable love interest. She's an actual continuing love interest that he has a relationship with. In fact, spoiler alert, in the movie, he marries her. And I love that because it's sort of, it's funny that it would be funny because if you watch Kingsman, you're like, oh, it's kind of, it, it's kind of, you know, intentionally crude. But at the same time, I'm like, well, not really, because at the end of the day, he's he had a relationship with this lady. He They built the relationship, and she's a good character because we get to see her more. And I thought that was really interesting. And so I think it's interesting in this is the veneer. Again, I don't think it's what they're intentionally doing. They're doing the uh, nun kind of like the fool you, like, oh, he took the kid to the nunnery. Right. But I love that. It still comes down to that. And when you're walking through the weird room where all the people are like this. Oh, yeah, you bust into sex. every room and they're all doing something weird. There's like, the closest you get like, to not weird is like a guy having sex with a girl dressed like a schoolgirl. <laughs> yeah, that's the tamest thing in there. Right. Our favorite guy is the wall guy. 
<laughs> He's in this getup. A wall costume, I guess? I don't know, but it's just his like face is poking out. <laughs> and this the prostitute's like choking him with a belt or something. <laughs> So, I mean, whoever is out there, if you're into that, I'm check not, out I'm the not movie. Judging. I'm not judging. Hey, man, everyone's got their thing. There's a movie for you now. I just see. Maybe you want to talk to your girlfriend or boyfriend about it, and you don't have a way of opening up that conversation. So, I mean, Kicksman 2, it was incredibly jarring that she was still there. I didn't expect it at all. Right. It's totally surprising. <laughs> Even Austin Powers, which is like a send of these these kind of movies. The second movie it immediately is like gets murdered for two minutes, right? And they do that every time. And the third one yeah. they do it too. But you're right. That's such a unique. Like I, I, there's a lot of things I don't like about Kingsman too. I know almost everything was a story choice I didn't care for. That was such. I just loved that so much that like it was so unusual. You're right to see her and I'd be like, oh, she and she's not a hostage. I mean, as close as you get is like where she's near the end. She's she's you know maybe exposed to the drugs, but she's not a hostage. She doesn't get. Captured by the bad guy. It's like, that's his, his girlfriend. <laughs> and they stuck to it. I, yeah. They got married at the end, yeah. which I did not expect. Either. I did not eat that either. You know? I was like, that's not, that's not going to make it through to the end of the movie. Even the moral <laughs> dilemma about like you know having sex with somebody as a spy. <laughs> and even the, the real question about, like it's really hard to be a spy when your girlfriend's a princess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, much less your wife. But I thought it was really cool. I, I think that was really interesting. And, uh, and I, it's one of my favorite subversions of that whole. Thing. Um, anyway, they're in the, the brothel. <laughs> Back to the brothel. <laughs> um, and they, uh, he gets to the last room, and it's uh, a woman who is lactating. Right. And that's her that's her kink, I guess. Or Which is draw. actually, I've heard of that one. I, I've, I mean, school girl one's kind of obvious. Sure. I'm sure the wall one is just a version of bondage, which really isn't that weird. Uh, if you're into bondage, I guess. I'm sure there's a specific subject. Right, where right, right. I mean, there's like more requirements. Really? But anyway, I mean, well, if you're into it, I, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm like, hey, whatever floats your boat, man. It didn't seem that weird. No, I'm, I'm yeah. absolutely not judging anybody. No, 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 no. This yeah. brothel. For no, I didn't think you were. <laughs> we're very open minded here. <laughs> Send your weird uh, sexual fantasies to. <laughs> Don't. What's your email no, address? Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't need to know that. That's between you and your 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 love. <laughs> uh, well, the important part is that she's lactating, so yes, the, she can feed the, the yes. wayward baby. Yes, and she kicks him out. <laughs> the gun baby. Yes, she kicks him out, and then then Paul, Paul Giamatti finds her, right, and uh, tortures her. Is done. <laughs> Needlessly, it seems like, because she told him everything. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I mean, he doesn't know that. Sure. And also, he's an asshole. I mean, he's a villain. He's a pervert. Yeah. And uh, and then, uh, you know, comes our hero, who... Uh, this is part of... I don't want to say strange credibility, because it would be fully strange credibility, but the notion that somehow he killed all those guys in the hall without making, sound. Up, making enough noise <laughs> that she would... Here's how I justify this. He timed it to when uh, Paul G. Money was shooting... <laughs> I mean, he cut up a guy's hand at some point. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But, you know, I mean, it's clearly established he's a badass, so it's okay. Yeah. It's the Batman rule. You don't have to show me Batman escaping a death trap. You can just say, what happened? I escaped. Okay. <laughs> he's the master of 
Right. Mayhem. Right. You'd be like, he killed a bunch of people. Okay, he killed some more people. Uh, <laughs> You're not going to stop and go, wait a minute. Wait, wait. How'd he kill all those people? <laughs> 26 people, okay. <laughs> 28 people. <laughs> you can't fool me. You gotta show me how we kill those people. Here's a little writer tip for you. When I write, I'm writing. I'm currently working on the edits of the second Consistency book, and and there's a couple of places where I need her to have a like a a fight that I it's really hard for me to imagine her winning. <laughs> but it's established that she can win pretty much, so I just usually cut away and then come back. <laughs> I'm so disillusioned. And it really works. I actually love There's a part where it's like she's literally like in a cabin and she's like, there's all these guys approaching and she just says, like, I'll take care of it. And she runs out and then the other, all the other characters probably are like on fire and all this stuff. <laughs> and it's kind of like, I'm like, well, one, it's because it's assumed she can do it. But but two, I was like, I don't, I don't have to worry about like describing the details. It's not important because she's much better than this than I am. So I feel like it's the same way. <laughs> there's another part where like a killer robot comes into her, her, her condominium and like starts. <laughs> Smashing everything, and she's just like, "I uh, this is all a misunderstanding," and then they just cut, and then they're all laughing about it. The aliens are like, "Oh, it's our mistake. Sorry, it's our <laughs> classic." Yes. So it's like, so that's the same way. You're right. As long as guy was fighting twenty six guys, you're cool. <laughs> I think we can accept. Right, twenty eight. You're right. That's the premise. <laughs> I remember when he dozens of guys. Uh, and what's up, Doc? Here, because he says that at some point. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, first when he comes back into the the brothel. Yeah, I think so. And he, and he keeps calling him bugs too. That's what I mean. Apology, you want? He's calling him bugs. Does it? Yeah, he calls him bugs a couple times. Hey, bugs. <laughs> and this is the part where he yeah. uses the guy's separate. You're not paying attention. Subliminally, yeah. Right I know, I get it. You're looking at the pretty colors. <laughs> you can appreciate chewing them up on all the levels I can. Look, some of us were thinking about global warming. <laughs> I'm a monster, I think. You. I wasn't even thinking brick. about it. <laughs> that, there's that part where he's got the gun, and the Pudgy Mind is like, doesn't matter, he's got the gun because it's fingerprint encoded, but he's got the guy's thumb in hand, <laughs> and he's trying to activate it, and Pudgy Mind runs at him. With a knife that he got <laughs> off the lawn, and he shoots him. And there's that line. This to me is kind of. This kind of walks the line between stupid and brilliant, which is pretty much the point, I believe, where he's like, uh, talk about a hand job. And, it, and every time he says one of these one liners, they're not very good. No. And I think that's intentional. <laughs> and I think it kind of works. Um,. Because it's sort of like it's yeah. such an expected trope, <laughs> but it's so it's so kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it fits. Yeah, I don't have a problem with no, it. No. <laughs> um, I think. I mean, come I, on, one of those lines is "fuck you, you fucking fuckers." <laughs> now that one I like. <laughs> that's poetry, by the way. <laughs> that's that's. I love a great word choice. And that's a great word choice. Because think about it. If he just said, fuck you, okay, that's not, or you fuckers. It's not, it's fuck you, you fucking fuckers. (laughs) 
there's this, uh, I keep talking about, I, I just can't get over this one. There's this, uh, Shakira, I mean, there's this, uh, Saturday Night Live, uh, sketch about, uh, I showed it to you, the, uh, Ryan Gosling is the guy who can't get over papyrus using yeah. for Avatar. And one of my favorite moments in it is he goes, I can't, every time I see this font, I can't stop thinking about it. The guy's like, when do you even see this font? <laughs> and he goes, uh, off brand tees, uh, hookah bars. But the second thing he says, and this is, I just, it's just it, I can't stop thinking about it. It just blows my mind. Is he goes, Shakira merch. <laughs> and it's not that he said Shakira merch. It's, I mean, it's that he says merch, not merchandise. It is so much more brilliant that he says merch. And it just, I'm like, somebody had to sit there and go like, do I write merchandise? Do I write merch? And it just blows my mind. And I'm like, if, like, if I could give a writing class, I would just show that scene and be like, this is what writing is. You could you give a writing write, class. I, I could, but it'd be weird. That'd be my examples. It'd be like, fuck you, you fucking fuckers. It'd be all Looney Tunes. Shakira merch. And that's an album. But I mean, it's really important. It, it's, sure. this, it's, it's this great. So so I do stand by that. And so even the intentional line about like, oh, I was talking about a hand job and being a bad, bad line. It's really interesting to write badly intentionally to create perception. I, it's, there's a lot of interesting elements about that. Yeah. There's... <laughs> I, I don't know if I have anything to add, really. But uh, <laughs> I definitely could have done that wrong. Yes. Right. And it didn't fall flat. Oh. It, it fell as flat as it was supposed to. Right, but it's interesting. <laughs> it goes back to our... Uh, um, but it seems like, like you're saying, it's probably carefully... It was planned that way. Well, it's like um, Starship Troopers, where you're like, well, that's yeah. kind of dumb. And then you realize it's like, well, it's intentionally dumb. Right. And it's interesting. The whole thing, all of Starship Troopers is this parody of propaganda. Right. <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting, like, one of my things I find about, like, in my writer's workshop is sometimes somebody will read something or create something, myself or somebody else, and it will be something where it has, like, an intentional bad line or an intentional bad bit of writing, and there's almost always going to be somebody in the room who, who does understand it. And that doesn't mean they're wrong, because if you don't get enough people understanding, you fail. But it's really interesting to go, like, no, no, you don't understand. It's an intentionally bad line. Yeah. Well, that's a weird... That's like, a problem with all parody. I right. Mean, there's... Any kind of parody, there's a significant portion of people who are just never gonna right. get it or accept it. And it's tricky because it's sort of fourth dimensional thinking where you're like, <laughs> it's good because it's bad, but not bad like it's unintentionally bad. It's meant to be bad, but it's meant to be bad because it's good. <laughs> it's like watching like uh, like the Naked Gun movies. The Naked Gun movies, like every line that like of narration that Frank Drebin gives is just brilliant, and it's this sort of pseudo tough guy cop narration done and stupid but if you think about it then you're like well that was really stupid like one of my buddies like, like he's like yeah you're kind of those like Drano sure it'll clean you out they'll leave you hollow inside <laughs> <laughs> it's just like oh it's perfect just stuff like that it's really tricky um, <laughs> yeah or the campaign where they're yeah. um, they have all the political settings and none of them quite makes sense <laughs> <laughs> you're like this is terrible <laughs> <laughs> the greatest American ever born, Jesus Christ. Peruvian tilt the world operators. <laughs> oh, such a good movie. And 
that you should listen to that podcast. Yeah, that's a good one. You should listen to that one next. Um, so they they he rescues the, the well, I'm just call her uh, Monica. Is it Monica? Lucci? I think that's her name. Um, yeah, they they head out. I'm gonna check for her. And they're gonna go get the. Uh, they go to the pawn shop again. Another CD location. And he tries to. Buy a gun with food stamps. <laughs> and he's got like his blood bank check. And she's like, what about the check for his sperm bank? Well, I don't get that till Wednesday. Again, he's clearly down and out. He's clearly out. Sure. And here's the thing, and this is again real interesting, because it's it's tasteless, but it's not to me. Where she is giving a guy a blood job so that she can get some money to buy something for the I like baby. That a lot. And it's really interesting because it's it, again and again, where she gave it, it's in the back of an alley. I mean, this movie should be distasteful. It is distasteful in some sure, degree. Right. It's interesting, right? It's designed to be, though. Right. It's really interesting. I, I love that she's given a blowjob at all, because a lot of times, if you take a prostitute out of context in, a, in another movie, she, you'd never reference her past again. Yes. <laughs> right. So that, that she's still on the job is just is part of this yeah. whole... She's got the tools. The, the world's still... A dirty place to be. And again, the fact that her her goal is to uh, basically buy something for the baby, right? To protect the baby. So it's a really weird motherly moment, right? It's really unique. It's not weird for her, right? no, 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 because no, that's no. how she. I meant, I meant, I meant right. weird for a movie. Yes. to see absolutely. No, no it makes for I, I got what you meant. <laughs> because it totally makes sense for her. Yeah, right. That's exactly what she would do to to get more money. Right. That's the tool she's got. So what she's been doing for years. Because how often, uh, again, you know, it's, it's easy to sort of one-dimensionally paint it, but it's just it's just interesting, isn't it? Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing because it's just how how you portray things is so fascinating and how our perception of things changes. Yeah, the more of these podcasts we do, the more I realize that there's a very strict set of rules for what you can put in a movie. Right. And it's just it's so unusual when you find a movie that, yeah. that breaks those rules. Right. Without making a big deal about it, by the way, because that's the thing is like yeah. she's just like like she doesn't say I'm sorry. She doesn't say like she's just like I was getting I was getting money for, yeah. for the baby. The movie that makes a big deal about it, you right. wind up with the mother or whatever that well, movie is. What's interesting too is is um he never really shames her, and in fact yeah. nobody the closer you get is or Paul Giamatti. He's not even shaming her. He's just a douchebag trying to interrogate her. And and I think that's important. I mean, you know, not to get into the whole politics of sex workers, um, um, you know, but there's a lot of sex workers who talk about, like, the only reason that there's, that, like, people will be like, oh, but you're selling your body. And I'm like, like a coal miner's not, coal miner's not selling their body. Like, uh, you know, us, when we do our job, aren't selling our, our bodies and our kinds. It's, it's a really interesting dilemma because I'm not, I can't say I'm a pro-sex worker, uh, but I also can't say, the more I read about it, the more, especially when I hear people talk about it, who actually respect the job in the industry, it, it, it changes my perception a lot. And it's interesting because in this movie, now in this case, she's in a skeevy sex worker position because society has made it that. Right. But uh, I think that's why it's hard to talk about because in a lot of cases, yeah. I mean, people in that industry have... Hit, hit some really like awful things in their lives. Well, and it's kind of like talking about like alcohol during prohibition. There was a lot of right. terrible stuff with it. 
right. and even the drug drug war now. I mean, it, it, it's weird because it's kind of like to use a loop. You create an environment that makes it hard and illegal and it attracts the worst kind of people, and then you use that as justification to see that's why we made it illegal. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. I, I think there's probably something to that for yeah. prostitution. So, oh, definitely. Uh, um, where we, we make it taboo and it just creates this reinforcing cycle. I thought the most interesting thing about prostitution I ever heard was uh, it was actually a pretty good career for a long time until women started getting more sexually adventurous at home. <laughs> because uh, uh, originally, like, men would go to brothels for, like, stuff their wife wouldn't do because, you know, wife was like, oh, I'm a good girl, I don't do that stuff. But as women became more liberated, and which is good, by the way, I'm, I'm all for that, <laughs> um, it, it had a negative effect because prostitution became, instead of really something about, like, oh, well, I'm going to go satisfy some desires, you know, uh, instead I'm going to, it, it became, like, well, I can, I can get my wife to do that. <laughs> which is really interesting. Less exotic. Well, it's supply and demand. Yep. You know? Um, so, it was liberation. Thanks for hurting the prostitutes. <laughs> <laughs> the road to hell is paved with good intentions, well, I guess. <laughs> well, because prostitution, I mean, and uh, madams, like, built the West. They're the reason towns existed. There's the there's a, there's a huge <laughs> history of our culture um, that we buried, basically, and pretend like it doesn't exist, but... Uh, one of the many things we Right, there's tons. I mean, we should talk about the fact that we don't like to talk about the fact that the Chinese and the uh, the immigrants built the railroads. Sure. <laughs> or that kind of made American grand or that. You know, we could talk about all the stuff. How rapey Columbus was. Right. Yes. <laughs> he wasn't even good at it. <laughs> like, man. Like, guys, let's pick an explorer that at least was decent at it. Oh, I'm, I'm playing this uh, uh, card game on my uh, iPad, and it's one of the leaders you can you can get is Columbus and I'm just like in his power you can trade him in for a territory. And I'm just like what are you cutting? He's terrible at this. You'd be like Magellan. Put somebody in there that I can really respect. Yeah, he'd stop with the first small island he found. <laughs> Start shipping slings. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. Um, one thing uh, one of the many things we gloss over in history um, is how often like there were specific policies in place to Institute and keep racism. Well, what's interesting is, thing. is Columbus wasn't even really respected very much back in Spain, yeah. which I thought is I think is really interesting. The idea that even they were like because they you know they were different eras, so they weren't exactly really nice to to different cultures. But even they were like, dude, you gotta pull back. Really? <laughs> yeah. He, 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 when he came back, he got into a lot of trouble. Huh. Now, partly it's because he wasn't very successful. If you're not successful, and you're a jerk. Sure. You don't. You've got to be successful. You get with a lot of your successful. If you're not. But yeah, there's a, so I think that's interesting. Like, even this movie, there's a lot of things where I'm just like, now, you know, Hitman or not. <laughs> not a respected career. But it's just, uh, I do like that there's not, the, like, as much as the brothel and the prostitutes show up a little bit, uh, like, the closest they get is that moment where. She says about like him being insensitive because she's lactating and he never asked why. And that's him being asked of her as a human, not as a prostitute. Yeah. Yeah, they never bring it up. Right. He never, she, she never talks about like, how did I become a prostitute? She talks about how she lost her baby, but she doesn't talk about 
this is this is not the life I wanted. And, and nobody wants that. Well, it, it, he's not happy where he is. She's not happy where she is. Yeah. <laughs> um, nobody likes her job. <laughs> it's true. At least she's got a good skill. <laughs> That's true. A lot of employment in a down economy. But by the way, I mean again, it's 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 a schemey thing in the sense that, you know, it really isn't in my opinion. But it again, it's not something you're going to see a lot. You're not going to see the sort of undisguised. She's a prostitute whose her special skill is that she's lactating. <laughs> you're not going to see that in a lot of movies. It's absolutely true. Yeah. So then they uh, they they uh, get it back to his house. Yeah, I like his house. Yeah, I like his house. It's a pretty nice setup for yeah. a murder bum. <laughs> even the, the mouse, that the rat that he uses as a key. <laughs> it's kind of funny at first, but then I'm like, well, one, they're sort of establishing his mechanical ability, but also I like the idea. It's like, well, no one's going to go look for the rat. And if they find the rat, no one's going to find the rat and figure out what to do with it. I couldn't stop thinking what would happen if the rat died. <laughs> I guess you have to just break in. He's probably got a backup rat. He would. <laughs> Such a good planner. <laughs> Had the shootout at the where he's got his fifty guys. And here's the thing I do like about this guy, Giamatti's character. You see, after this guy's killed a bunch of his men so well, it's like I need men. Right <laughs> yeah. over there, like oh, we get like fifty guys. He's like, I guess that'll do. I like that he's literally like, oh, no, give me more. Right? Yeah. Oh, we've definitely talked about that in other movies yeah. where. Um, like, like the inability to, to accept reality is really off-putting. So, yeah, it's great that in this movie he's like, oh, all right, this is some kind of super murder bomb. <laughs> I'm going to need a small army to kill this guy. It's like the guy is like, we're fighting Batman? I need more guys. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're sending you 10 more. No, no, you don't understand. I need more guys. Okay, we're going to sell out the 21. No, and by the way, do we have a superpowers? I'll take superpower guys. Any guys you got with superpowers. I don't care. Is he just a little faster? I'll take him. <laughs> and what can he do? Well, he can, uh, once a day, he can teleport. Bring him. Bring him over. You have any giants that know karate? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, we got one guy. He's okay at karate. Fine. Throw him in the mix. Throw as many guys as you can. There's no bad ideas. There's no bad ideas. Well, my aunt is a yellow belt. Bring her over. Bring her over. <laughs> And Gertrude, you're in my army. I'm <laughs> picturing like, like this mansion. Come on, Gertrude. Dark tiger. They're like a legion of like people just like all crammed in the gates. Man, <laughs> 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 just like drives up and he's like, that's nah, good, I'm going home. <laughs> I can take them. I just don't have all night. <laughs> <laughs> Even Batman's like, this is a little much. It's a little much. <laughs> just, just overwhelming with inconvenience. <laughs> I'm going to need the bat crowd control sound cannon. <laughs> and then the end, Batman's beat them all, except that Andrew Drew gets a lucky kick in. <laughs> oh! Hey, go ahead, Gertrude. <laughs> right in the bat jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so this is a great action scene. Um, there's a part where he flies down a, a rolling, <laughs> rolling yeah. belt. Um, and one of the best parts here, he like, flips over a flying cabinet and shoots the drawer into well, some guy's head. The part before where he kills those guys and they all fall down in a pile so that he can 
jump over the fire cabinet, <laughs> kill the other guy on this side, and then shoot the knock that guy out. Oh, there's layers. There's so many layers. And I love this, like, where he's running forward, and, like, he's still running forward and shooting, he's carrying the baby. And then, I love the guy, because this is stupid, it should be stupid, but I love it, because I picture, like, the one guy who comes propelling into the window, <laughs> Skylight, because I picture that guy, he's just like, because I always figure in every action movie, most of the thugs think they're, like, I'm the awesome guy. Yeah. You know, and they're not, you know? And it's just like, they're like, that guy's just the cook. Like, no, that's Jackie Chan. He's going to kick your ass. <laughs> well, this guy's like, he, he prepared. Like, now when he's like, guys, I'm going to go up the roof. It's going to be awesome. He clearly has his own plan. He's like, I got it. When I come in, <laughs> crashes in, gets me to get his ass kicked, knocked him out, thrown him out. And he's just like, you know, he's just like, if he's still alive at the end, he's just in the hospital going like, oh, man, it could have worked. It would have been beautiful. <laughs> I just love picturing that guy like climbing up the outside of the building. <laughs> this is gonna be awesome. <laughs> Bill's never gonna make fun of me again, man. What you doing? What you doing? I'm gonna go up the roof. Don't worry about it, man. Not that you. Goody, you you t- look. You all go through the door like idiots. He's not gonna expect me. I'm coming down the roof. You're gonna catch yourself, you moron. <laughs> 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 he crashes to the window and he's like, I need to cut myself, Bill. <laughs> and then he dies. <laughs> so I can always picture like it's all the fa- it's like the like in the Batman world, but like all the failed villains in Gotham. Like there's that uh, in the Lego Batman movie where they're talking about all the villains. Superman, Polka Dot Man. You know, they keep listing all of them. Kind of a king. And then the guy's just like, you must have made some of those out. And Lego Joker's like, no, they're all real. We're the Google. And I love that notion that, like, you, you've got your A-listers. And then you got some guy who's like, I can be a super villain. I'm Polka Dot Man. You got the B team and the C team. Right. They're like, I'm Polka Dot Man. And so I was like, that's stupid. And guys are like, this little guy dresses like a clown. Why does nobody take you seriously? Well, you've got to succeed. Once again, if you don't succeed, we take you seriously. It's all about competence. That's right. <laughs> Who are you? I'm Kite Man. What do you do? I fly around on a giant kite. You're not real, are you? Yeah, totally. Real bad. <laughs> it's not about you. who you are. It's about what you've done. That's the Batman rule, right? I mean, if you're... If he, if he wasn't successful... <laughs> if he wasn't successful, he'd just be a crazy guy with batarangs. <laughs> yeah. Joker would just be a guy who's terrible at puns. Headline would say, Crazy Billionaire Gets Beat Up by Cutters. <laughs> <laughs> followed by the other headline, Crazy Man in Purple purple Suit Gets Shot by Police Officers. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like, Who is the mysterious polka dotted man? <laughs> I'll do the universe again. <laughs> Um, so, uh, and I love the line where he's like, is he that good or do we really suck? <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. Sometimes. Fourth wall right for you. Right. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, sometimes, sometimes we're playing Overwatch and I'm like, 
are they that good or do we suck? Sometimes I'm also kind of the opposite. I'm like, did we really do good there? Or were they just terrible at this? You can never know. You can never know. Uh, so then they uh, get to the hotel room, they have the exposition, they talk about informing, like, call all the informants to help all the different city sources. I like you said, yeah, that yeah. I know what I hate. This one, this one guy calls, the one hero calls one guy. <laughs> There's your fourth wall break. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, right, so he calls them all these places, and uh, doesn't matter. They all they'll come, they're all under control. Yeah, they have a little story, but where um, Monica talks about why she's lactating. Yeah, and then they have a sex scene. Well, and also there's a scene where he, he he's enjoying explaining a gun to a baby, <laughs> which is sort of their sort That's of like the, the romantic. It's the fatherly <laughs> moment. It's the fatherly moment. Yep. Which is kind of weird, but sort of like the, I mean, as weird as it is, the blowjob moment is sort of the motherly moment, where she's getting the money to yeah, pay for okay. them. Yeah. Because they're becoming a family. <laughs> that's true. They're becoming a family. <laughs> and, and even that, like, where she's like, and then they start having sex, because it's like, well, you know. And again. What are you going to do? That's because this movie doesn't, like, cut away. <laughs> this movie's like, let's have some sex now. <laughs> and then while they're having sex. Guys, come in. Right. <laughs> and they shoot these guys while still having sex. <laughs> um, Finally, you can get your sex and violence together <laughs> in a single scene. <laughs> you know. It's the American dream. <laughs> I, I, I feel like, I don't know, you know, I'm not going to say how great I am in the bedroom. It's really hard to assess. <laughs> I generally think most of my lovers would be distracted by a gunfight. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not sure I could split my concentration that way. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, she's doing most of the work on her own. I guess so. He's taking care of, you know, he's just. <laughs> <laughs> sure, there's a little bit of give and take there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then he says. The great line, the other great terrible line. Talk about shooting your load. <laughs> There's something about how crass that is that makes it work. It works. It's. I think that's the thing about like all these one-liners is, is like they're the opposite of innuendo. Innuendo, like James Bond will do something yeah. that's like you know, it's like oh, what happened? You know, like they throw someone out a clip and they'll be like oh. He, he had the thing and he jumped away. I don't know, so I can't do it now. I'm not good at it. But, uh, uh, but like in this case, like that's one of the things is he, he just, the, the one liners are not innuendo, they're just crude. Yeah, they are euphemisms, just barely. Barely, you know? And I think that's interesting. You know? Yeah, it feels intentional. Yeah. Because it's, there's a vicious science theater joke about like, uh, Crow not understanding euphemisms. Because it'll be like, they'll be like, I don't understand. This is supposed to be like this, like, Secret Super Dragon is supposed to be like, and he'll say things, you know, like, they had to go for a swim and the guy drowned or something like that. And they'll just like, well, just, you just don't say what it's gonna, you can just say anything. And, and, and even Joel was like, you can say anything sounds sexy if you say it like the right way. It's like, well, I didn't know Lincoln was still president. <laughs> and then at one point, Pro just goes like, she's built like a brick. No, that's not it. <laughs> I think that was a danger death way, not secret agent to drag it out. I don't think he's in the table. Come on, man. 
Like, I, I honestly love the uh, uh, Danger Death Ray. I think it's a fun <laughs> movie. Although the, the spy's name is Bart Fargo, which is a terrible name for a spy. Because it's so easy to mess up. That's great. Right? You just be like, what are you, a fart bar- Oh! I also have a spy credibility. <laughs> fart. Fart Fargo. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, let me start over. This is where we find out about he uses he figures out they've got the Hammerson guns that they should shouldn't have. They're too yeah. early. So we know that Hammerson, makers of fine firearms, of course. Apparently he's been keeping up with the latest in the gun world. <laughs> Believable. Sure. Uh old habits. Old habits. Uh so then he they they he puts her in the tank. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they they find a tank in some museum. Yeah, it's like, well, this is gunproof, mostly bombproof. <laughs> I think the thing about that is, I, I think it's fine. Although it really is like, where did he have to go to the bathroom? Fuck it. I'm just saying that, and a baby especially. <laughs> oh, maybe they didn't think that all the way through. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really overthinking. I'm not really too worried about logistics. This baby is pretty tough, so maybe they look out of it. And he has this falling down type scene where he spanks some woman that was spanking her kid. The <laughs> distraction. Yeah. yeah. He goes to Hammerson. Where they make guns. Where they make the guns. <laughs> and the characters are talking in an exposition scene, which I like. Oh, there's the other part. You're not we making, talked about. I'm making yogurt with a name like Hammerson. Where the, the they they find the uh the place where all the movement are make were, were ready to give birth to babies. They they killed them. Oh, the yeah, guys yeah. kill all of them. He's having an exposition phone call. <laughs> which I like. <laughs> sort of like, oh, here's what's happening. Okay, let me explain how this works. You know, and uh, and I love the, uh, it's like, it's fine. But it's kind of funny because it's just like, uh, why are you telling me all the stuff I know? <laughs> it feels, yes, out of, feels out of place in this movie. Yes. But it's one of those things where I'm like, eh, it might be a touchdown. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you got to do exposition anyway, so it doesn't matter. I mean, that's whatever. It's good enough. Um, but anyway, yeah, Hammerson. He snuck in to listen to them talk, and then and then he starts his contraption thing where he's building this elaborate like gun maze. Yes, in an unspecified amount of time. There's <laughs> that scene though where the guard is sipping, uh, sipping his uh, coffee in a really <laughs> annoying way, and I, I have to give credit to this scene is all about the direction and the acting because the guy's like. <laughs> <laughs> And that, like, Clive Owen, like, rolls his eyes and looks so disgusted. <laughs> then when he knocks the guy out, and you see him taped up. And then he's, Clive Owen's like, ah. <laughs> smart look on his payoff. <laughs> that is, like, maybe one of, that may be my favorite scene in this movie, actually. <laughs> There's a bit earlier in there um, where uh, Monica asks him, Why are you so angry all the time? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> It says, uh, I think the one you hate is yourself. Oh, that's right. That's deep, man. Powerful. Powerful stuff. Makes you really think. <laughs> Actually, I do. I mean, it doesn't make me. It makes me think. But it also is really interesting to think about, like, like sometimes, I remember one time, uh, uh, Sally, was, my wife, was watching a TV show, and I started criticizing the show, like, a lot. 
And then I, I just kept doing it. And then at one point I was just like, why am I doing this? <laughs> I actually said it like aloud. I was like, what do I, why am I mad at you for enjoying a TV show that like I'm not offended by? I just don't like very much. And then I was kind of like that moment where I was just suddenly like all the anger left me. Cause I was just like, I don't have to watch this. I'll just go. <laughs> and, and I was like, what am I trying to do here? And I realized it was just like this rage. And so, but like, I'm not angry at this show. I'm not angry at my wife. Why am I doing this? <laughs> it's a very weird moment. Takes a lot of introspection. It does. And that moment, that kind of... I achieved enlightenment only for a couple of minutes, but I'll take it. <laughs> Strangely, you haven't stopped criticizing. <laughs> criticizing is the same thing. I'm happy to criticize things. <laughs> but I'm not going to criticize. It's weird to, like, it wasn't like I was doing it here where I could change the world. <laughs> I was doing it home to my lovely wife who had done nothing to me. Sure. Just ruining her day. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's usually a symptom of some. Yeah. Of your own. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, probably. normally my criticism is on the ball. It's 100% accurate. It's great insight. <laughs> oh, boy. Sometimes I wish I disagreed with you more. <laughs> uh, people who disagree with me online sometimes, which is really hard to imagine. <laughs> I'm all for disagreement, by the way. Go on. It's cool. <laughs> as long as we're not just... I never want to say, that show is stupid. And then someone comes back and goes like, no, it's good. Well, that's a great conversation to have. That's meaningless. Meaningless for both of us. Well, all right, some people are dumb. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes I actually had a conversation on the internet. Uh, well, I mean, I... I I talked about something, I forget, and somebody was like, oh, you're kind of negative, and I was like, well, it's kind of interesting you would say that, because I don't think of myself as negative, I do think of myself as maybe a little critical, but never as critical in the sense that, like, I think it's, like, I didn't like Kingsman 2 very much, but I don't think you're dumb for liking Kingsman 2. I didn't, I think Star Wars is kind of neutral, but I don't think it's dumb to like Star Wars, it's just different stuff, you know? It's, it's But it's kind of a weird attitude, because especially maybe as an artist, like, I have to learn to kind of approach it from that angle. Yeah, I know why people think you're negative. <laughs> because you're not shy about sharing your opinion. Yeah, yeah. That's very true. My mom said that one time, uh, not negative, but she was just like, See, you don't understand, most people are not as confident in their opinion as you are. <laughs> like, okay, that's fair. That's what I think about it, sure. <laughs> well, I don't be confident like I'm right, I just confident like I don't like sharing it. Right. Confident yeah, like you're I don't. Yeah, you're not afraid to share it. Right, because if someone disagrees with me, I'm, I'm cool with it. It's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, I don't think Dr. Who's that great. Come at me! So you would say that Doctor Who is dumb? <laughs> Doctor Who is dumb. <laughs> that's, that's my nuanced criticism of Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, so this is the gut fight. With the... Oh, hold on, hold on. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm fine with Doctor Who. Oh. That's my defense. <laughs> Doctor Who. <laughs> I, don't, right, I, don't, we I don't dislike Doctor Who. I just don't like Doctor Who. I haven't watched much Doctor Who. <laughs> and, you know, the problem with Doctor Who is there's so much of it, too. I mean, like, oh, there's yeah. different eras with different requirements and rules. I don't like new Doctor Who very much. I find it... People never specify contrived. what they're talking about, either. Right. I mean, I, but, but, but I find a lot of things contrived. Like, that's why I don't like The Flash. I find it very contrived. But a lot of people don't care about that, so if you don't care about that, who cares? <laughs> if you don't care about that, you're not going to be upset by it. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. It's like somebody will be like... It'd be weird. It's like I love Godzilla movies, and somebody says, like, oh, you just have to kind of suit. I'm like, yeah, if that's going to bother you, you're not going to enjoy it. And that's cool, 
I know it's a guy suit, and it doesn't bother me. So it's you know, there's some thought criticism like that. A lot of times, it's wrapped up in identity politics, where um, there's this tribal thing. So yes. if you tell somebody you don't like Doctor Who, they feel like that's insulting somehow. <laughs> it, well, it can be, and a lot of times it can be because people will say something like Doctor Who is dumb, and you like you're dumb if you like Doctor Who. Sure. That's that's insulting because it's kind of implying. I think it's the other side of the coin, where you you're picking your side. Yeah. <laughs> and trying to defend an attack at the same yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. It's very complicated, you're right. It's a very complicated issue. Right. So, I, I don't know. I feel like there's tears of this, and I, I want to be in the place where we can talk about shit. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I think that you're right, and that's why I do believe somebody would say that on, like, on, on me being negative, where I'm like, well, I don't mind saying I don't think Dr. Who's that great, but that's kind of an unusual opinion among science fiction fans, and it's yeah. also... It's easy to interpret it as an attack, but I'm never, I'm never meaning it as an attack, you know. Right. Even, even so. There's uh, a period where um, not liking Star Wars would have been sacrilege. Right. Well, we were talking uh, the other day about uh, pumpkin spice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, uh, and you're like, what's your feelings on pumpkin spice? And yes, you know, sometimes Scott and I, I was out just... around the podcast, pu- <laughs> and we have these deep conversations. <laughs> and you don't get to hear them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you can hear this one, which is, what you feeling of pumpkin spice? And I'm like, I am neutral towards pumpkin spice. And what was your opinion about pumpkin spice, Scott? Um, I don't remember what I said, but I'm, I'm fine with it. Right. And we were like... like it doesn't offend me personally. People, people like to make fun of pumpkin spice, but as far as I can tell, it's just a flavoring. I don't know why you would have to... Well, I asked you that after it. I saw like a bunch of tweets and memes about... Yeah, how people don't like... People just being assholes about pumpkin spice. <laughs> Picking that fight. Jesus. Lay off. You were just enjoying a flavor. Again, you don't like pumpkin spice. I'm going to say right now, fuck you if you like strawberries. <laughs> All I know is that artificial grape tastes like pure evil. By the way, I'm kidding. Strawberry is one of my favorite, favorite flavors, so we're cool. I'm serious about grape. That's okay. That's okay. It's the devil's candy. You're allowed. You know, you're allowed to have a strong opinion. It's okay. <laughs> I don't know why anybody eats watermelon. <laughs> I hate grape and everybody who likes it. <laughs> my wife, my mom, they'll be like, oh, we have watermelon. And I'm like, Ugh, get that away from me. That's disgusting. Actual watermelon? Yeah, or the I actually flavor? hate watermelon. It's <laughs> weird. It just... It's like slightly sweetened water. Yeah, I just... <laughs> ugh, I hate it. <laughs> I hate its existence. I guess the reason I feel like that's weird is because it's, it's so mild. Maybe that's what bothers me about it. Maybe, maybe you know, you know me. Got make a make a stand. It's okay that you don't like watermelon. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but if you like watermelon, screw you. <laughs> hey, I like watermelon. Oh no! Why, <laughs> Ayana? So, uh, they come up with a plan to hide the baby. Yeah, this is the first. Um, well, okay, so he's. I'm skipping this. Is a long, it's, <laughs> there's so many diverted things going on here. He goes over to Hammerson. Yeah. And this is the first line where um, the, the owner says something about a pussy with a gun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a direct, like, um, condemnation of American gun culture. <laughs> it, well, and it's, but it's interesting is because his, from his perspective, it's kind of the American dream that you can be empowered, which right. is interesting. Um, but he doesn't respect those people. <laughs> no, but he, but it doesn't change the fact that 
you know, everyone kind of, the, the, the thing about guns being empowered is a really interesting dynamic, you know, because if you're implying that somebody's powerless without a gun, you run into a lot of problems. It's, it's a really interesting dilemma. Um, yeah, we fetishize guns. Yeah, I mean, country. every culture fetishizes something, so we just happen to fetishize death machines. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> we used to do it with cars. Now we do it with death machines. <laughs> oh. Which is interesting because that's not that's a like sure you go back to cars. That's a new thing, um, relatively. Like uh, the the founders and the the pilgrims and all those people, a gun was just a tool. You yeah. No longer right. you you no more fetishize your gun than you fetishize your hammer. And a hammer's pretty freaking awesome. <laughs> right. And we lived in a largely like agrarian society, right. right? Where a gun is a legitimate tool for a farmer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you need a gun to hunt and protect your livestock and, you know, protect yourself too, but... Shoot coyotes or something right. eating your crops. So. It's like, you also have other tools that you do, you know, like, it's weird. We don't have that, we don't have that fetishizing in America of, like, yeah, check out my table saw. Oh. I mean, there are people who love their power tools, but it's not, like, it's not a thing you see. Yeah, they don't buy, like, 12 table saws <laughs> just in case they want to cut... Twelve different you know, pieces of wood at once. <laughs> in a world where a table saws are outlaws, outlaws will have table saws. <laughs> we could talk for a long time about uh, gun culture, but well, you know, but, uh, it just it, it goes back to identity politics again. It's really interesting yeah. how often, not just I mean, not I mean, it's easy to talk about guns, but it's like there's so many things in our society. It just it's really easy as a human being to take something you like. Or you obsess over it and turn it into a thing that's supposed to say something about you. Oh, yeah. And uh, it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, even the most inconsequential thing you can do that with. I feel like it's an indictment of our educational system. I guess that is human, so to do. It is human. But I feel like it's something that can be overcome with, like, a broad... <laughs> uh, you know, offend a lot of people, I feel like. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> just a broad education should cure you of that. I mean, you should be exposed to like different someone something of that perspectives of history and stuff like that. So I think that's that's appropriate. I mean, I think uh, I think general education is good, even though schools for chumps. <laughs> I'm <laughs> no, not a kid of our education system. I get no, yeah. Well, I think it, it's yeah, it's got issues. But I mean, that's a cliche at this point, right? Yeah. And a lot of times. People just say it in a very general way, and and they want to throw more money at it, yeah, and not address like this underlying structural problem of how we teach people. Right. Well, again, isn't it so often the case of of everything? We don't really. We kind of just assume we're doing things for legitimate reasons because we've either done them that way or we like doing them that way. Right. And I'm not even talking about like structural. I'm talking about even our own our own behavior. We do things and we're like, I've always done it this way, and then one day you're like, maybe I shouldn't do that. You know, and it can be a weird moment to free yourself from that burden, or or to, to realize. Uh, I mean, it's it. There's that thing. I always keep going back to. Uh, there's a great uh, video series talking about like Disney. There's a, and one of the things they talk about in Disney movies is like all the Disney heroines always have what a have a uh, uh, want, and then that's what they don't really need. They have to find. They have a need, and and their problem is is they're not looking for their need. They're looking for their wants. And then at the end of the story, they resolve, they figure out what they need, not what they want. And that changes their whole, that's their story arc. And I think it's interesting where, like, whether we're talking about, like, gun culture, where it's, like, it's really easy to be sort of fetishizing safety. 
our education system, it's really easy to educate if the sort become these sort of this is what the policy is, or even our own behavior. Like Well the reason I call it the education system is because it I think a lot of this stems from the inability to think critically. Yeah. Right? It is a very human thing to climb onto something and just form your own little tribe yeah. and defend it with your life. Because it's it's like part of the lizard brain that that's just how we survived for millions yeah. of years. Um, so I mean, if if nobody teaches you how to think critically, you'll never get beyond that. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's why I feel like education is kind of the special holds a special like rank in society that we don't really respect. Yes, because it's more like well, especially in the American. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure there's plenty of education that's the same problem, which is uh, memorizing of facts and information. Without really processing, it's it's. Uh, I mean, that's got to be part of it. Yeah, because because um, I was thinking about that the other day about like like, like I always look at like, like my dog. My dog cannot think critically of his own behavior. <laughs> he can't. I don't expect him to. You know, like he's not going to do something. And go like, well, that's a wrong thing for. I shouldn't eat all the dog treats. <laughs> the other dogs like dog treats too. I should, there's plenty for me. I'll share. He never he looks in the mirror and. I'm disgusting. Right, right. <laughs> and he never goes, like, what did I do? What a jerky, what a terrible thing to do. Like, he knows if I yell at him, he's like, oh, yeah, he doesn't like it when I do that. So he knows not to do it in that sense, but it's not because he's introspective. He's like, I wonder why he doesn't like me doing that. He's like, no, he's just a boss. He tells me what to do and I don't do it. Or I try to do right. it when he's not looking. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's interesting because, like, sometimes I see that with people where I'm just like, well, you know, and they're like, well, I just do it. And it's like, think about it for a second. And I mean, you don't always need an answer. I'm not saying I know the answer. I'm just saying it's interesting to see that. I see the roots of it in, like, how we teach history. Yeah. Right? I mean, you just go through this book, and it's presented as a series of things that happened. Yes. And that's not how anybody learns about history. Yeah. <laughs> when they're discovering it. Right? There's, yeah. like, two or three or four different perspectives on yes. history. And if you don't show people that, they'll never, they'll never question anything. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I see that, which is the, the ironic part that somebody else talked about. Us, I guess. The other ironic part was somebody talked about the way we, that's the way we teach history, but the way we teach math is makes it confusing to people because we go, okay, there's only positive numbers. All right, there's negative numbers. <laughs> but there's only whole numbers. All right, there's fractions. But you can't divide them. All right, you can divide them. And then I think people are like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Imaginary numbers. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what? Well, there's also imaginary numbers. What? But you said there weren't. Well, I didn't want to surprise you too quickly. I didn't want to overwhelm you. There's not imaginary numbers, but if there were, here's the idea of them together. Yes. And it's like, you run this, and I think that's interesting because the opposite. That's why people get like frustrated by math because I think I've mastered it. Oh no, there's more. We just, we decided not to tell you it existed. There might be something to that. I, I always love that idea. No. There's only whole numbers. All right, I've mastered it. Oh, no, there's a whole new thing. Oh, man. I'm never gonna, and then they say one day, I'm not going to get this. So, there's going back to the movie. Oh, well, let's there's, wrap this up. Yeah, let's finish this up. There's the car chase. Yeah. Which so, is a fun scene. Yeah. Um, I love the cartoony van with a million guys in it. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun. They're all sticking out. And they're chasing Smith, and um, the car's like, rolls over something, and the baby's in there. The baby's fine. 
Uh, well, it's not really in there. And the video like falls out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> Smith takes a pass out of it and tries to grab it. Then he drives in. He blows up the windshield. I think this scene is where they show like the re- least respect for the baby. <laughs> Where uh, he's just getting tossed around. Well, but you realize it's because... I eventually realize it's a fake. Although, this decoy baby kind of bothers me. Yeah. All you gotta do is, like, like first of all, why is, like, he's got, the baby's got, like, a recording device so it cries, but he's the only one who hears it, so he just gave it to himself. <laughs> so he would treat it, I guess, to remind himself, maybe he's a method actor, I don't know. And and then, when the baby's, like, they run over the baby, Bossy Money, by the way, his finest performance as... In this movie, he's got two great performances where he fondles a dead girl, and he drives over a baby screaming, Yes! (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, beautiful. Like, I want to see that in script, and Paul Giamma is like, yeah, let's go on with that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, he calls... Well, first... I love the bit where he hits the van, unbuckles his seatbelt, yeah. flies through the windshield. Well, he shoots out the windshield, so he's not going through it. Right. Because that'd be dangerous. <laughs> okay, my bad. Earlier, he shoot, shot out the windshield. Yeah. <laughs> so it's safe <laughs> for him to take his seatbelt off and fly through the van. van. <laughs> and just shoot everybody in the van. And then he uh, says, so much better than your seatbelt. <laughs> It's a, just another great action scene. <laughs> it is. It's a good. It's like almost every action moment. scene in here. I I love every one of them. You're right. I will say I think John Wick is is probably a better movie, but I do say that the action scenes in this are a lot of fun. They have a lot of personality, which is cool. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I even. I think I like this better than John Wick. Well, John Wick's much more polished. <laughs> but that's sort of its detriment, in a way. Mm, yeah. I can see that. The action scenes are are well choreographed. They're well shot in John Wick. Um, there's a lot of like cutting around here, which is not usually a great thing yeah. in an action movie, but uh, um, they make it work. So then, yeah, he calls the senator, he calls the <laughs> senator, they meet on the plane, he figures out that the senator is in cahoots with Hammerson. It's that pretty thin, yeah, because the guy would be like, I have a German Shepherd at home. Sometimes you got to trust your gut when you're That's right. Out, and, uh... And there's a big talk about, like, gun control and all that kind of stuff. I love that this is a fantasy movie, for sure, because, like, the idea that anybody has any power over gun control. <laughs> Let's not even pretend. Yeah, back in 2007? Even then, it was still, it was like... pretty fantastic. Yeah, still pretty fantastic. <laughs> that one senator dying would... <laughs> That's all it takes. Cause gun control. To... He kills a senator. He skydives out. There's a skydiving gunfight. Skydiving gun normal. Normal. For normal. I think they train you that. That's one of the things they train you train sure. in the military. <laughs> now, occasionally, you're going to get into a gunfight while you skydive. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be really hard to aim? Well, that's why you got to practice. <laughs> now, I'm pretty sure, like, skydiving gunfight training. <laughs> you jump out. <laughs> like a guy on, like, a target. like... <laughs> As far as the regular movies get on, he's a kid. Can't we just use dummies? Yeah. It's not a thing. <laughs> Quiet, you. <laughs> it's like the uh, Starship Troopers equivalent of the live fire exercise. Yeah. <laughs> that they hold in the middle of like people marching. I know, yeah, yeah. There's not even like berries or anything. It's just 
literally just people shooting guns in the middle of it. Um, so... Anyway, guy gets tangled in a parachute, almost to his death. Yeah. A bunch of people get shot. The, 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 one, the one guy gets chopped, gets shredded uh, <laughs> by a helicopter blade. <laughs> just because. And then our hero lands in a little field of dead bodies. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets taken prisoner by Paul Giamatti. Yeah, the torture scene is really visceral. Um, it is. So, I mean, John Wick, torture scene. He gets punched in the face a couple of times. Yeah. So it's like, don't be a jerk, John Wick. Stop <laughs> trying to kill my son. Shut up, torture scene. They break all his fingers. Right. They're like, well, because that's a smart move, too. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know. That's the right way to do it. That's right. <laughs> then they're going to spear out his eye. But he puts Paul Giamatti. He gets the scalpel in his, in his forehead. forehead. Jams it into his hand that he can't use so he can use it. Stabs people with it. Puts blood everywhere. Stabs people with it as it's sticking yeah. through his hand. Yes. It's, it's ridiculous, but it's memorable. <laughs> sure. And then, like, uh, he's trying to get away, and Paul Giamatti's chasing him. I love that Paul Giamatti's, like, pausing, and he tries to shoot him, and he can't shoot him. And, and I just love it. It's like, what if he got lucky? <laughs> just shoot him. <laughs> but instead, he's got to taunt him. Overconfidence. Classic villain weakness. He just wants to savor it a little bit. Yeah, well, to be fair, this guy has been a huge pain in his ass. Oh, yeah. Ruined his week. <laughs> yeah. Because of the dog fur. He's sitting by the fire. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Smith. I did remember this. And uh, he's being taunted, and then he uses the bullets in his fingers to put his <laughs> hand in the fire. And the bullets shoot. I don't know if that would work. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not real bullets, it's movie bullets, so it doesn't really matter. I think it would work. I don't know if you could direct the bullets anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like, but... Uh, that's, a, that's a little thin. That's a little thin, but at the same time, I'm like, they are movie bullets, so it's not... <laughs> you come this part of the movie, it's not going to be like, well, now, come on. <laughs> uh, I love that he blows out his thumb. Yeah, his thumb's on fire. He's just like... <laughs> But I guess maybe his hands are just so numb from, from the explosion and the, the pain. Uh, Paul Giamatti gets a call from his wife. She's leaving him. Like, bless. He lives the coffin there. Yeah, he's been calling his wife throughout yeah. the movie. I didn't look at his mother or her yeah. family. I like, I like that extra layer in there. Yeah. That he's got this family life. Yeah. That he's like, <laughs> and it's like work. It's just like, oh, I'll be a little late. Honey. When he's not caressing dead bodies. <laughs> hey, you know, how does it work? Sure. <laughs> and uh, then they have a weird showdown where they're both like Paul Giamat is dying and he can't yeah. hold he can't hold Mr. Smith can't hold the gun. <laughs> but he of course wins the end for that. And then they uh, he he tracks down the lady that we hadn't seen in the diner, which I expounded upon earlier. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh by the way, I do like that you can get me to root for a guy getting shot if he's got a stupid earring. <laughs> the world we live in. <laughs> There's this really interesting movie uh, I mentioned real quick uh, called Patchwork on um, uh, Netflix. And in it, it's basically sort of the Frankenstein story, but this woman, two women, basically get stuck in one body, and they're all in it. And at one point, they kind of go on a killing spree. And it's really interesting because the movie takes advantage of the protagonist bias, and also the fact that they're killing kind of jerks. Now, they're just jerks. They don't deserve necessarily to die. But it's really interesting how it plays with that. And then, of course, it's actually a really, there's a really clever reason for why it happens. But, uh, but, uh, one of the things I like about it is the idea is like, well, he was still kind of an asshole. <laughs> 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 like, 
Like, yeah, but I'm not sure he deserved to die. You know? Now, these guys at least are threatening people with guns, so I don't feel too bad for these guys. Sure. Yeah. There's my, mountains more justification. Yes. For these anything guys, that happens in shoot em up. Yes. And there isn't John Wick. Yes. <laughs> So, uh, yes, it just ends, just as suddenly as it started, it just ends after you use the carrot to kill, like, carrot to pull the trigger, carrot death number three. Oh, it's only carrot just, death number eight or something. Oh, yeah, and then it ends with, he, he shoots the bad guy at the end, and it's just like, that's the movie. They're a happy family full of killing people. <laughs> that was good. He does not say it's welcome for sure. Good? Okay. That's the movie. It's over. <laughs> we talked way too long about this one, but I liked it. I thought there was a lot of versions, but I enjoyed it. That's all right. We'll, we'll probably Good we'll probably edit it maybe, and then we'll also have an extended. We should have an extended edition of this one. <laughs> Director's yeah. cut. Uh, so our next movie is Enchanted. Exciting! I haven't because, seen this one. Uh, we wanted to do a, a, a girly movie. <laughs> um, that's not really right. I mean, I think it's a great movie. Enchanted is a great movie. Not not a great girly movie. It's just a great movie. I really I really like it. I actually watched it not too long ago. It's, uh, it's a fun movie. Uh, I think it's really smart. It's really clever. It's very not violent compared to... Be a pellet cleanser. There's very few pregnant women being menaced in this movie. <laughs> a couple. I mean, standard. <laughs> Hollywood. Hollywood can't stop menacing pregnant, pregnant, pregnant women. I saw the previous. I just... Yeah. Think it's a... Stop yeah. judging me. I'm not. I'm not. God damn it's all right. <laughs> You might, this might be the movie you're like, oh man, that sucked. <laughs> it was so girly. I know how you are. <laughs> I'm you're a full man. of machismo. That's right. <laughs> you can't see it, but I'm smoking a cigar right now. He's <laughs> yeah, a beef jerky. Yeah. I'm just going to rudely, like, hash on Alex's <laughs> family. I, I'm even doing the whole podcast. I just can't say anything. <laughs> Better not. Yeah. After it's over, I say, like, I don't really appreciate that stat. And they're like, yeah, well, what do you got to do about it? So we go ahead. He's late. <laughs> He's got. We saved a movie. Oh, wow.